This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 850. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. And we're live to tape.
Hello. <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week 850. Oh, man, I finally hit puberty. It's so awesome. <laughs> I've got so many things to look forward to. Why is there hair here? My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hello, Mr. Kilpatrick. And Ryan Haupt is here. Hi! <laughs> In the Ron Richards Memorial <laughs> third chair. We appreciate him being here. And hey, this is the 850th episode. And we are iFanboy. We like comics. We can read a bunch of comics. And one of us, we pick the best book we read. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about other books on the podcast along with other books. Uh, we talk about other books from the week, various topics of interest, goofy nonsense. This is old copy. I should have updated this. Goofy nonsense. But that's the normal show. This is not a normal show. This is the 850th episode, which means that we are just doing emails after we do the pick of the week and the patron pick. We ask for your emails. You sent in a tons of them. And we're going to do those. So we're going to do our two books and then get to the emails. So if this is your first time listening somehow, if you made it past the first minute where we couldn't speak normally, good for you. Just you. Second, you know, check the show before this or after this for a regular episode. This is a fun one. This is our anniversary episode. So we're doing it fun style. And we're doing it live. We should mention, if you're not watching from the home right now, I'm not drunk already. People in the chat room are asking. We've got people in the chat watching. We normally can't see each other. And so, but I can see Josh and Ryan right now. And they all look very handsome. And Josh is wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. It's very cool. Is that a McFarlane Spider-Man? I'm wearing a Cicada t-shirt. That's not as cool as McFarlane Spider-Man. I don't know. I think Cicada's a pretty cool 17-year cycle. Suck. I saw this on a rack, and I was like, I'm buying that. It was the most immediate <laughs> t-shirt purchase I've made. <laughs> uh, hey, Mike Romo's in the chat room. Quick <sighs> reminder and a warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers for the two books we're going to talk about, and who knows what else will come up in the midst of the email discussion. So you've been warned. This week, Josh, you had the pick of the week. I did, but I refused to do it, so somebody else is going to have to take over. Anyway. <laughs> pick, <laughs> the first time hearing of it. pick of the week. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah. Today you're going to do this, Josh? That Texas Blood number 18. When I'm reading through my books, I read a lot of books that I found interesting. In fact, many times I was like, oh, this has been fun to talk about on the show, and we're not going to be able to. But I got sort of the end of the stack, and it wasn't, it was a relatively light week. It wasn't nothing. It wasn't like one of those weeks where we had nothing to read. It was like middle of the road. I had like 16 books. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had to sort of go through them, and I was like, I can't think of anything I liked better before or after that texas blood and we've been building to this and we Mm -hmm. you know each of the issues especially in this arc have been pretty spectacular and if you listen to the show last time or you read the book you will have known that you know the killer showed up at the lady's house uh, at the end of the last issue had a sandwich and he was lying there in wait and she was playing a good samaritan to somebody who lost their another guy who lost his daughter to the killer and then you see him go towards the house at the end of the last issue. You're like, don't go in there. Classic horror movie thriller stuff. It was a cliffhanger. It was the big. Yeah. The big and so this is they go in the house, you know, and, and you sort of see everything that happens and it is fraught with tension. There is, you know, pages without any dialogue. There's pages without much dialogue. It was exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, and at the end of it, I wanted the next part. Uh, and then, you know, throughout the whole story, you know, we've been talking about the storytelling but sort of every page it just has some really nice comic book storytelling it's not super complicated stuff it's running for the phone dialing looking harried as you talk on the phone and then you know just these little tiny things with all of this tension that is in the room and sound effects that are indicating stuff that's going on things that you would do cinematically but in comic book form which is appropriate you know to the medium 
and I just I care about this story, and it's super simple. Like it's not if there, there's a psycho killer in town, he dresses up in a weird clown thing, he's hunting people. It's not it's not like oh my god, I can't believe this amazing plotting. It's tone, pace, mood, setting, all of that stuff. Well, uh, I think the plot. I think the plotting is very good. It's just not a complex is, story. It's just the way yes. it's been structured. It's been very good. It's Absolutely, been very very it is, good. It is simple, like a well cooked steak. You want to put it that way to bring it to ecstasy. Like you don't want to mess with it. You're not looking for it. Like if you just have a good piece of meat and you and you cook it just right, it's gonna be great with some salt. That's all that needs to happen. And that's what I feel like this book is. But you're, very, you're also right about like the the pepper almost cinematic nature of it. Like mm-hmm. every time this book cuts from inside to outside and back and forth, like the way that it's able to build atmosphere between what's happening inside the houses or the homes of these characters inside the car versus what's happening outside. Like I can almost hear the snowflakes hitting. I was going to say that when you switch to the outside, I can hear that storm. Yeah. It's, and it's really well done. It, the atmosphere, yeah. the atmosphere is palpable both That's in, a, in terms of like the tension of this occurring, like, you know, the, a snowstorm doesn't have to be a disaster, but this one is, but it's not a disaster because of the snow. It's a disaster because there's a killer. It is drawn in such a way, though, that having been through many snowstorms, like, oh, that's a bad snowstorm. But also, no, I can Texas, tell that Texas is not at. meant for this weather, right. so it's going to be bad. I mean, right off the bat, page one, as I'm showing to the viewers at home. Now we know that know, our viewers. We get the insert. Well, these are. We get the insert shot of Don Abandondo left the radio inside, <laughs> right? So right off the bat, we know, oh, shit, because we know the killer's in the inside the house, so we know she's in trouble because her, we know her he's lifeline fed. to the sheriff is he's rested. Yeah. He shaved. He's had a nice nap. Yeah. He signed her up for some magazines. Um, I mean, God, the whole sequence where he comes up on the old guy, his oh. reflection, the knife, the, and, and the, the next page with the repeating panels where he's getting closer. It's like it's, that. That it's is a killer so in the house story. You know, it's like the, the old yeah. wives' tale about. They used to be a lot prevalent when we were kids. I don't know if they are now, but like, you know, the dog who's, a, who's really the killer. The calls right, coming the, from the, in the house still freaks you, freaks me out. To yeah, the licking the hand on it. But the way the way he uses but, the knife, yeah, exactly. The way he mad. uses the knife at the moment is also like it's a twist on what I was expecting as a person who you know watches slasher and horror movies. Like he doesn't kill the guy in the way that I was expecting, and so even he, that I found kind of shocking. I mean, I'm, again, holding this up for the viewers, but um, you know, he walks behind the guy, he puts his hand on the guy's shoulder, and it's a variation of the licking of the hand, right? He thinks it's the woman. And he puts his hand on his hand. Like, it's a very, it would be a sweet moment if this wasn't a psychotic killer about to murder him. You know, like she's comforting him. And then the next page is the close-up where he notices, hey, that's that's wrong. And then that mask is such a good design. It's so simple, but look at it. It's so creepy. It's the and, scream jacket. I mean, that, that was, uh, I put this up on Instagram. If, if, you have, if you're not watching at home, you can see it on Instagram. On our that's Instagram that's how I'm going to greet trick-or-treaters at the end of the month. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, and then we anything. get... We get some no information sound. about the killer. While this is happening, the sheriff and his buddy or the deputy figure out maybe who the killer is. And, you know, there's a big fight between Donna and the killer. And she may have taken him out, but she didn't because at the end we see him behind the car. But look, there's another part I love. When she's talking to the sheriff, look how claustrophobic it is with the wiper mm-hmm. blade and the snow. It's great. Like there's this um, one panel where like the snow is almost covering and you just, you just feel him being, he's sort of boxed in physically. It's just, this is a terrific arc. I mean, to that same end, I think that, hey, let's, let's, this is the comic book that I've wanted for a really long time. There's no supernatural. It's a cop story that takes place, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It's just totally simple and then done by 
Phillips is a, an amazing comic book storyteller already. I mean, he just like he took what his dad did. He's making it work completely in this setting that almost never works for comic books. It's it's weird that this comic book is greenlit. Actually, there's two things. Also, in it's here got 18 issues. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like we've really gotten to live it, so we've got to see them get better. You know, like shows that get. You figure it'd be a show that would get canceled in six episodes. Or six well, I mean, episodes, granted, you know? it's it's the son of one of their big artists, so I'm not saying that's still. why it's still going. But it's 18 issues. That's a lot for sure. No, and also, Josh, you should be reading Brubaker and Sean Phillips's OGNs because that's exactly what you want. It's just sure. set in the 70s in L.A. There was two other things that I I wanted to point out about the art specifically. So there's a scene where. The sheriff and his deputy, I guess, are going through the stuff and, you know, the one guy has a realization, you know, but everything. But I think the thing that's most impressive about that, and this works with the dialogue and the art, is that the body language of the two guys says everything about how they're feeling there. You know, the deputy is much more laid back, laconic. He's leaning there. He's kind of smirking. It's a contrast to what the sheriff's going through. And it's just, it's just that little kind of storytelling stuff that I think is a really nice bit of acting. And then the page right after that, the lady, the dispatcher, Donna Amadondo, she takes a shower. And I was like, oh, wow, he drew a middle-aged woman yeah, yeah. in middle-aged woman underpants. Yeah. And it's not sexy. It's not ugly. It's not whatever. It's just like, oh, that's what a real person looks like. And it's the tiniest thing. But think about how many comic artists you know who can actually draw an age-appropriate body type on a woman. Like, right. It's impossible. They can't do it. So it's just like it was that part is like very lived in and real. You know, the clothes that she's wearing before she gets in, her face is is, you know, kind of wrinkled, you know. But not yeah, but she's she's I don't I don't I don't even want to venture to guess how old she's supposed to be. (laughs) But you know, unless she'd be younger than me. But you know, she she looks like a huge human being. I'm I'm gonna criticize one minor, minor, minor thing about the issue. Go on. Where the sheriff in frustration pounds the hood. It's not very dynamic. The body language could be a little bit better. But I, I agree he with looks Josh. Like he's almost leaning on the sh- on the hood mm-hmm. rather than pounding. Yeah. It, but other than that, it's very minor. He should have been like Basil Fawlty and grabbed a tree branch nearby. It need to be like I mean, like power, you know, the lines of force coming off the. See, the I don't slam. see the slam. I see like, darn you! <laughs> right, that's what I mean. It just doesn't but the, the the thing that Josh pointed out, which I think is really prescient, is you can almost see the weight of the stress of this incident. And the situation they're in weighing on the sheriff in a way it's not weighing on the deputy. And I actually think that's really interesting. Well, he's on the hook for it. He's, he's got, know, an, election, but it, but he's got an election coming up. Conveying that in the, in the art is impressive. And I, I hadn't noticed that until Josh pointed out. And then as you the, the pages you were talking about, the claustrophobic sort of driving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see that the face of the sheriff has changed. His urgency. his yeah. But it's so real. It only stands out here because I'm like, wow, most people don't do this like this. You know, they get, they get by on a lot of other stuff and this, but this book has no tricks. There's no costumes. There's no, what like everything has to be real. It's all shot. If you were, this is a movie, the camera would never be above eye level. You're on the ground with the people. They have these rules that once you start paying attention, you can see that they're sticking with. And then JJ Abrams shows up at the end. <laughs> well, hey. and it, it also had a very Mrs. Landingham ending. Well, I didn't cry. She's not, I mean, we don't know what happened. All it's right. true. She's not dead. I don't it's think not a dead. new truck either. Anyway, do you think they paid Sybil Shepherd for this? I saw that too. I was like, that's um, that's de- maybe she's, she's got supposed lawyers. to be. What's the movie she's in? Peter Bogdanovich, the last, last picture, last picture show? show. Yeah, yeah that she's the in this. She is the character from the last picture show, who were off in West Texas somewhere. This is the year after that. Oh sure, I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, what if her lawyer's a comic fan? All right, 
You're not wrong. Very good issue. Very, very good issue. It's been a terrific arc. I think each arc gets a little bit better. Yeah. I really enjoyed the last arc with the uh, homicidal cult people, but this was I just, this has been a really terrific. I just the, love the that that, so la- that last issue had that cliffhanger, and then this one absolutely delivered. But they still left us with another one and wanting more. So we, there's at least another one to this arc, and that makes me really happy. Yeah, I mean, this should be the second to last issue of the arc. So that's that's the cliffhanger. It was a great ending. I'm I'm super excited to see how it wraps up. So that was the book we wanted to talk about. But over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron of the show gets to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, they had a very important job. They had to vote on one other book we were going to talk about in the show. And they took it seriously. And we had a lot more patrons show up to vote than normal because I think they were taking it seriously. The winner, far and away, by a two-to-one margin over the second place book was Gotham City Year One, number one, from Tom King, Phil Hester, Eric Gabster, Jordy Belair, and I believe it's Clayton Cowles. How do you feel being the letter, the only person not on the cover? He had to be in on it, so it wasn't like and he a surprise had to, he, That's the insult to injury. He had to do it. Or he made the noble self-sacrifice. <laughs> he was about to put his name on there. He thought, you know what? If I put my name on here, it's going to throw off the whole no, thing. letters aren't put on covers. For a long time, colorists weren't either, but then they had a whole thing with like the colorists. And they said, okay, we'll put you on Is that cover. like a rule? You could yeah. do it. No, I mean, they're just they're not put on the covers. And for, for a long time, it was the colorists weren't either. Anyway. This is a new miniseries from Tom King. It is set in Gotham, obviously. It's called Gotham City Year One, and it is set in the past. It's not Black Label. Seemingly takes place in DC, which we'll talk about. Drawn by Phil Hester, who was a big deal in the early 2000s. We're big fans of. And uh, what did we think of Gotham City Year One? I don't know that I was looking forward to it. In just in in terms of... I wasn't not looking forward to it. I just, you know, I was like, all right, I'll check it out. It didn't feel to me like one of the big ones, because I guess... It's just another Batman story. It's a Slam Bradley one. Like it's just a version but of whatever. But what, you know what I mean? There's a Batman in it. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> I kind of was leaving it room to be surprised. Like on paper, the story. Like if you just tell me the pitch and not tell me who's involved, they're like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's just fine. But I know it's Tom King. I know it's Phil Hester. I love Phil Hester. I, I mean, I this like is- the guy an awful lot. Yeah. As a writer, he does one thing. As an artist, he does another thing. And he, he just this is he just. Destroyed good Phil Hester. It. It's really, really good. good. It's some of the really best Phil Hester I've seen in, in a long time. In fact, at some point, a few pages in, I went, because I don't remember things, I went, God, who's drawing this? <laughs> and I went back and I said, oh, right, it's Phil Hester. You know, it's at least equal to the best art I've ever seen from the guy. It's yeah. You're, you're yeah. not wrong. I mean, and he's mixing up his structure like page to page like some pages there's no panel borders and it's characters kind of free-floating and intermixing and other pages it's like super structured and and linear and like all of it works but it's so well done and feels purposeful every line i mean his lines are like a little minimal but Mm -hmm. it felt like they just they sung on these pages and jordy belair as well i mean there's some great sequences that go into black and white or at least highlights of black and white like i'm looking at showing here like it's just it pops in i mean this is you know, Tom King is doing a noir detective story here. Robert Mitchum is playing Slam Bradley. I mean, I think I, my first instinct was like, isn't this pretty much what they're doing over in the... in? Uh, yes. He's doing book? it better over in the Human Target. Sure. I, I liked this. I did. There was a couple of things that made me roll my eyes a little bit. Not like fatally, but just like, okay. The story is basically the Lindbergh kidnapping, but with the Wayne yes. family. I did, I did go. That's a little on the nose, but it did. It went away from that. At first, I thought, I know this story. I don't mm-hmm. mind that. It's just the elements of it. So, sure. Slam Bradley is a PI in Gotham in 1961, 61, and you know, Dane comes into the office and gives him an envelope with some cash and says, "Take it over to the Waynes." We know from the first page that the daughter of the Waynes has been kidnapped. 
he does, and suddenly he becomes a suspect. And then we, as we go through the details of the kidnapping, it's very, it's very, very much like the Lindbergh kidnapping. And uh, we go from there. I first rolled my eyes a little bit when he saw the note and it had the bat symbol written on it. It's sort of the kidnappers calling card cipher. So he, this is how you know it's me. It's like, okay, I get it. It's in Gotham. Fine, whatever. But then later on, when they called the kidnapper the Batman, that's when I really was like, oh, you didn't need to go that far. See, that's the part that I didn't expect. If we're talking about an alternate world, then what happens if the Batman's a bad guy? But no, no, it's not, not an alternate guy. world. They're just calling him the Batman because he wrote a bat on it. And then at the end, we see Slam's been telling the story to Batman in the present. Uh-huh. So I just rolled my eyes. You don't need to go the extra step of using the bat symbol as a sale identifier and then having whatever Henry Wayne or whatever his name is. Richard. Uh, Richard uh, Wayne? Yeah. Richard Bruce Wayne. Yeah, which which confused me because I'm like, is this Dick? Is this like, what's what's happening here? So they really missed actually... a chance to do David Bruce. David Ooh, Bruce Wayne. yeah, that's a good idea. So Richard Wayne says, I call him the Batman. I thought, oh, you don't. That's an extra step. You don't need to go. But that was minor. Otherwise, I really liked it. I like this a lot. This might have been my pick. It could have been. It could have been. I I didn't love it, but I was really impressed by it. If that makes sense. Like I enjoyed it. I will read the next one. I'm really looking forward to it. It's just yeah. really gorgeous. It's interesting. I mean, I like. Slam Bradley. He's been around sure. for a while, but he got brought back. Was it Darwin Cook's Catwoman with Ed Brubaker? Is that when they brought Slam Bradley back? No, he back? was in that, yeah. I, I mean, yes, he was that's, in that. That's the Slam I like. I like mid-50s in love with Catwoman Slam. This Slam is in the presence like 80. I also <laughs> really like... I like when we see the the Waynes, you know, I feel like a lot of times it's the Wayne Foundation or it's a single building in Gotham. Right. I like when we see the Waynes doing other things in Gotham. So this issue ends with, you know, the Wayne Industrial Refinery, the future of Gotham, but it's now in ruins or whatever, and as a source of criminal activity. Right, so this is Thomas's father. So this is Bruce's grandfather. So we don't know what those Waynes are up to. You know, and it was Thomas's do-gooder spirit as a result of his father being an asshole who was going to raise the black side of town to build a factory. You know, I mean that would so be that's in keeping with U.S. history. All right, so that's interesting is to see where Thomas's instincts came from, which were clearly from his dad being a jerk. So this isn't technically Gotham City's year one. No, it's not at all. I don't know why it's called this one, but. Well, it's just the no, branding. No, Josh, I know it's the branding, but like this is set but in 1643. It's funny that I had just a, it, reading it. I don't. I don't think that I remembered the title. In fact, when I was looking for it, I was like, "What's the one with Slam Bradley?" So I was just thinking I was reading a Black Label book, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And you said it's not Elseworlds, and I was like, "It isn't." And I was like, "Oh, yeah. I guess, I guess it's, not." It's, That's even a great is. cover by Hester. It's Slam a great. Bradley, I was year eighty, constantly going fuck. Like because it's it's I like Phil Hester a lot, but if, like this is like very 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 good Phil Hester. If you haven't, by the way, I talked to him a few years back on one of the talks below. It's Phil Hester, and like he's the best guy. He and he nearly died. He very nearly died, and then he came back and and however many years after, I'm sure everybody considered him past his prime. He does work that looks like this, and that is laudable. Yeah, it's a really great point. So let's do ratings on Gotham City Year One Issue One. Ratings out of five. Ratings. 4.5. I'm giving it a four. I'm between four and four and a quarter. I'm going to give it four and a quarter. Sticking with it for however long it is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I mean, it's already better than Batman Year Two. <laughs> that was the McFarlane one. It doesn't mean it was good. That was with the guy, with the Reaper guy. Yeah. Wait. No. Yeah. 
The Reaper was something. Your, was your one was year Mazzucelli. Year two was the Reaper. Your three was Tim Drake. Uh, yes. All right. Gosh, come on. Who are you talking? I'm to not. Here? Listen. I'm. T- I'm. I'm reaching way back here. <laughs> I remember having year one to? and really loving it, and then like looking at year two and going, "Oh my God, this is McFarlane." Yeah. But there's something in. But he didn't do all of it. That. He didn't do all of it. No. No. Obviously. He was on the baseball hunt. <laughs> anyway. I was gonna. I was gonna say he was going for baseballs. Alan Davis and, and Tom McFarlane. Is that what it was? I mean, the point is, like, I I remembered that I just I had I was being a kid and and I loved year one and I saw that there was a year two and I got really excited and then like hunt for it and and then I I read it and I was like I don't think I really liked that. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, I get. I understand that. But it's not the best. That's uh, like I think there's a there's a Batman versus Punisher. There's another one that McFarlane did like that, and it's just not good. There's Batman Year Two. Did that run in Batman? Yeah. Sometime around the, you Fear know, the between eighty nine and ninety, around there, something ran in Detective. That was year something because I, that was when I first started reading Detective, and it, it, I, I. I mean, it's always possible I went through both. I don't remember though. That, yeah. that, that I don't remember. I remember this. I, I think this, this year two is before that. Yeah. Look at that Alfred. All right. This is not good programming. This is. It's a great programming. If you're watching live, which most people aren't. Okay. So those are the books we want to talk about. We did the patron pick. Thanks for voting. Patreon.com slash FM. Thank you for being patrons. Now it's email time. But before it's email time, let's talk about what we're drinking. Ryan, what are you drinking? I'm having... Better not be moonshine again. No, I'm having a non-alcoholic cocktail from Seed Lip. This is their Spice 94 Aromatic uh, offering, which I'm having with some... Rose honey and lemon mixer and a splash of soda water. Real quick. Uh, yeah. Batman year two ran in Detective Comics, yeah, 575 to 578. And then Batman year three is what I was thinking ran in the Batman book. Uh, and that was one of my first arcs. I think that the one before Batman year three was the Lonely lonely Place of Dying. Or the oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Lonely Place of Dying was was the Tim Drake story. And then that, those were my first yeah. Batman issues ever. And then year three was the one that came after that. You're right. You're right. So Ryan, what so not instead, instead, instead of letting my wife make me a cocktail, I, I took the non alcoholic liquor you can I have got a cocktail. Her. Just don't have a bottle of moonshine. Listen, she I got these for her when she got pregnant and she didn't finish them because they're not that good. But I'm non alcoholic have... liquor. But I'm going to have one tonight because that's the move. And then I've got the rest of this water to keep me going. Although I may need a bathroom break at some point. You but can have a cocktail. Sancho. You can also right. have a bathroom break. Josh, what are you drinking? Soda? I just have water? a Coke Zero right now. Coke Zero? Josh. I was going to have a little margarita action, but I'm supposed to take my son mountain biking in the morning. And this is going to be late. So I didn't <laughs> want anything to make that harder. This actually tastes pretty. This tastes pretty good. If you like liquor. No, there's and no liquor do. in it. There's no I liquor know, in but it. it tastes, it's just mixer. He's just drinking mixer. It tastes like it's liquor, though. That's rose, the point, right? honey, and lemon. Okay. And this I'm particular have... this particular seed lip is very cinnamony, so it's like a very cinnamony. I, t- I don't like what alcohol tastes like. That's my point. But this but it's not, like it's alcohol. not alcohol. It's the mixer part, which is... But I thought you just... said it was... So there's no... Okay, forget there's it. No al- there's like... no alcohol in this. It's just a thing that Mike Romo hates. But it tastes like a but it tastes like a cocktail. No, it just tastes like a, a spiced so juice. It's no, basically th- like this tastes like juice. 
This tastes like a, a, a aquavit if you left it out overnight and all the alcohol evaporated. In. So it's just kind of a, a vaguely spiced liquid. All right. I'm drinking the same Macallan uh, I had at the last anniversary show. I never touched it after that, so I'm drinking it again. That's an uh, impressive amount of self-control. Yeah, well, I, I you know. What it is what it is. So I'm going to be drinking that. I guess I'm the only one drinking alcohol. So I had my Z-Biotic before I drank it. I was going to do that, too. But so I, meant, I meant to pull up a shot of espresso so I'd have some energy, and I didn't. I'm going to need to go to sleep immediately after this. <laughs> right, this is exciting. Everyone is old. Let's talk about emails. So... You wrote into contact.ifanboy.com, and you sent us a bunch of emails. We're going to try to do as many as we can. We, we usually can't do them all. We thank you for writing in. If we didn't get, get you on the show, we're apologizing right now. And again, as always, for the sake of time, uh, we removed the platitudes from the emails, but some of you uh, were really nice things that were really heartfelt, and we thank you for that. Some of you didn't, and that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do appreciate everyone who wrote in and said something nice. We just, have, we just don't have time to read all that. So first email. It's from Ryan M. from Cincinnati, Ohio. And His name's Ryan Maupt. <laughs> Ryan Maupt. I used to live in Cincinnati. I know. Did. That's why you think that hideous chili is the right thing to I do. Bet, I, bet, I bet Ryan M. is a gold star guy, whereas I'm a Skyline guy, and that's where we differ. Ryan M. says, I think about this question every time I look at my unread stack of comics over the past couple of years since the birth of my child. Connor has mentioned he's never read Peter David's Hulk. Josh has mentioned never reading the Marvel uh, end of and the IDW run of G.I. Joe. What would be your ideal way to read a big missing run? Vacation binge read, one issue each week to add to your stack, a trade or two at a time? I'm asking for ideal, but you can also answer your most likely way to read. I mean, normally a binge read on a really good book is worth it. Um, what would you do in like but single sometimes, issues? Sometimes, like... A, a trade, trades and stuff, or... Those, I don't care about that. I mean, ideally, if I was doing that, I would like to have a big stack of sort of ratty comics that are in a full line that I got from like a box at a flea market. That's mm-hmm. ideally, you know, that's yeah. key. But the reading experience, I'd be 100% cool with that. I do find that the 80s comics and early 90s comics are excellent, but do not necessarily lend themselves to reading tons of them at a time. Like, you need mm-hmm. to take a break on that shit. Modern comics, they're done like episodic TV, and you can go from one rate to the other. Um, I'm trying to think the last time I did that. I know at one point our comicsology access changed and I had access to the entire run of like everything Garth Ennis ever did. So I read through all of Hitman again. I read through all of um, the authority, Kev, just anything I could find that he'd written. But that was a lot of fun. That was I can't that was I can't put it down time. I really don't know. I mean, I mean, there's just no bad way to do it, right? So I don't know. I, I disagree. I think I vacation for me is not like catching up on an old run. No, no. I was talking about physically, like ver, you know, old stack old issues versus a bunch of trades. Like, there's no physical bad way. I wouldn't do it on a vacation. That that one just because we do this for you're specifically a novel reader on vacation. You bring up yeah. huge box of huge pile of books and you're like, well, these well, are what but, I'm going to read. But for me, I like, haven't been on vacation in eight, a vacation in eight years, so well, I don't know. Sure, but like. The, to me, the vacation is the time to dig into a, a long-form story like a novel. It's not the time for me to catch up on back issues of a... Tell you, tell you what, in that same vein, comic books are terrible for traveling. They're heavy. Like, like if physical, certainly. That's They're heavy. The you read through them quickly. Yeah, right. so the iPad's the, better the for time, them. The time spent enjoying them to weight ratio is bad yes. for travel. 
I will tell you the last time that I did go on an actual vacation, my wife and I had no children. We went to a place. We went to Turks and Caicos, um, and I had just gotten an advanced copy of Seven Eves, and I re- mm. and we, that's all we did. We just read nonstop for three days. You know that like it was. What are we going to do? We're going to do nothing. We're going to go by the beach or the pool, and we're going to read. And I just you know like days reading Seven Eves. It was amazing. If- should the time ever come and, and I, I ever have a chance, so yes, I'm going to read Peter David's Hulk. That's hard. That's hard. Vacation is not the time to do it, though. No, no. I, I, remove vacation. That's just an option. I'm saying, I'm trying to decide in my head if I would want a stack of trades or if I'd want to. S- I mean, I don't. The reading issues like- would be super fun. I don't want them afterwards. Yeah. You no, know, you know that I mean? had nothing to do with what I was saying. I could I could give them away as I go. But as far as like reading, I think it's fun and you have the um Oh sure, you get the the, ads the chapter is in your hand. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when you're done with it, you're done with it. But I can feel you know the old cover and it's kind of slipping a little. I bet they smell I can good. Feel too. that in my hand. I like that. I have every one of those G.I. Joe issues on my iPad. Like they're there. And yeah. they've been there for years. I also would like to read um Punisher Max. Yes, and this is Punisher Max. That's the other uh, one. Ryan, pick one run you'd like to catch up and read. Great question. Um, I was always, I was always a little uh, nostalgic about the fact that you guys did like the original Fantastic Four run for a book explode way back when, uh, and I kind of, yeah. I, I always told myself I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, and then like listen to that episode, and I, I listened. Well, that to was episode, a video I, show. A video show, but like yeah, I, 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 I never, I never actually did. And you yeah. know, old comics can be a challenge to get through. But like that was always one where I was like, ah, oh, I wish I had that sort of institutional cultural knowledge about like it's, what that one's worth it. Yeah. Fantastic Four is worth it. Josh, you're number two. Uh, Dan C of New Jersey. Uh, given that we've seen movie or TV adaptations of everyone from Shang Chi to, to the clandestine in Ms. Marvel, and even the Polka Dot Man in James Gunn's Suicide Squad, should we discard the notion that there are any characters or concepts that are too weird, too silly, too comic booky to be adapted to the screen? What character would you be most surprised to see in a big-budget adaptation? I don't think you should be surprised anymore. I think we're through that looking glass. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, I, ha- I, have a, I have a character, though. I'd be a little Rachel surprised. Is, is not happy with where Blade is at right now. Oh, yeah, so. it's falling apart. I I would be a little surprised to see like a full on faithful Galactus. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually a really good that's he's got a the really big helmet with the crazy things and he eats planets and he's purple and he's wait, wait, big. wait. So the question then then we go to the nature of the question. Is the question inferring that is a spot on comic book version of it or an adjusted one? Well, I mean because like the frog like She Hulk has a lot of those where like the the leapfrog's in there, but <sighs> It's a I'm, different. I'm really liking She-Hulk. Okay, we're not, well, we're, we're not here for that now. Yeah. Uh, are we discussing? A or lot are we of not questions. Discussing? We are. But the, we don't want to get question away on the screen. Question. The question on the screen, which is Dan's question. Um, but, but but She-Hulk is introducing a lot of concepts. Are we arguing about the thing? <laughs> I I think there's a difference between a sitcom and a big budget movie. And you can you can introduce, introduce silly concepts in a sitcom and be fine with it. Where, as if it's like a serious Fantastic Four film, and Ooh, I'm trying big to purple, think of an example. I mean, it sounds like they up. tried to do a serious Fantastic Four film with Fan Fantastic, and it was a disaster. Whereas She Hulk is kind of a delight. Right, but um, again, this is not relevant to the question. Um, but no, no, no. Uh, uh, 
I think the no, question I think, is then. Okay, what, go ahead. What yeah, character would you be most surprised to see in a big budget ad- adaptation? Galactus. As so that's as comic version. What's what's yeah. Josh's answer? Bueno Excelente. <laughs> he fights evil with the power of perversion. Sure. Sure. He's sure. he's and, he's Bueno Excelente is DC comic book main universe canon. Yeah. Hitman took place in the universe of DC mm-hmm. full on. Bueno Excelente <laughs> who fights evil with the power of perversion. What about the defenestrator? He buggers it. The defenestrator is not as uncomfortable as a shirtless, overweight Mexican man in a trench coat who sodomizes things. And says, excellent day. The defenestrator is absolutely someone that James Gunn picks up on. Um, My answer is Spot, the Spider-Man supervillain. Really? You think that's too crazy? Visually, that's amazing. I, I think visually it would be like I you know most surprised or or whatever the question was like I think it's a very minor tier character that if done in a in a interesting way on film would be really like I want to see Tom Holland go up against a guy who every time Tom Holland throws a punch you know spot throws up a portal and Tom Holland hits himself in the face like I think it would be really cool so sure but you think that'd be I too think- strange. For the audience, I think that would show. No, up. I don't know if you be, wouldn't be the main villain. That's the question. What, what, what character is too would you be most surprised to see in a big budget? Ad- because of the content that is, is too my weird, answer. Too silly. That's my answer. All right, Conma King. What do you want from me? Like I'm, I'm there trying to answer the question. Conma King, King is more, more. Ryan, three. Do you find it difficult to enjoy oh, the whoa, work whoa. of writers? Who's na- who? Who sent the email in? I find it difficult to enjoy you, Connor. Do you, uh, Bobby from Bobby R from Modesto, California? Do you find it difficult to enjoy the work of writers and artists who engage in ugly social media battles with fans and or other creators? Yep. Yep. No. Well, because Connor, are you saying no because you're not on social media? But also because I just—I mean—I don't care. But like I do, I do find it distasteful. We've had, We've had a version of this conversation where Connor, at least in principle, says he doesn't care at all what happens on the side of the creator or what they're like for him to enjoy the thing. Yeah, we, we've met pr- plenty of people uh, who have been assholes. I don't have a problem enjoying their work. I I, I, have I do. This, I, I have said this. That's I think those are both valid. But yeah, they're both valid. But personal, I think that to, for me. It's a sliding scale, and it depends on. Well, obviously, it depends. It depends. If they're no, no, like it being, de- you know. it depends on the nature of the stories they tell. Chip Zdarsky sometimes does stories that have nothing to do with him or him trying to work his stuff through that were obvious. He's not apparent in it. There are other people who write things in such a way that their personality is just suffused in the thing. And if that personality is in there, and I know that they're a prick, and by the way, arguing about stuff with people on Twitter is never a good look ever. True. Like it's pointless, and so yep. that it, that colors the thing. Now, I'll just use an example because um, he's already been canceled, so who gives a shit? Warren Ellis, I think, it was a really good example of this. Is that uh, he was not a nice man. He was an asshole to me personally at times. Uh, he didn't know who I was. It's not like that. So he's an asshole to a stranger, and this is before whatever other things came out about him. Um. And I did not read a page of his stuff at all. Like, it did not affect my enjoyment of his stuff. Um, 
but like you know if you knew bendis was an asshole all of his cutesy dialogue and fun stuff would be it would be effective for me i don't know if that mm. makes sense but that's how i read it no that's that's, that's, that's interesting i mean that's a fair that's a fair way to look at it <sighs> i mean basically what i'm saying is if the work makes me think of the person then and i but know also it depends I don't like on the person's person. public persona like warren else's public persona was an asshole to begin with right yeah. I mean, so you, yeah. you went to it knowing he was an asshole and you just had it confirmed yeah um hmm. yeah the, for sure now there are other people who like they're they're uh people who have said things uh that i didn't like on it on specifically on social media it was a creator who argued with another creator and i have not read a word that he's written since then i i won't read him it also is that i don't like alish Cott's uh writing hey <laughs> just said it i i i that's the joke um, um, you know, Scott Kurtz, I won't read a thing he did and I loved his work, but there's, yeah, yeah, there's a pettiness that is unbecoming. There are, there are also people is, I know who are terrible to work with and I didn't see it personally or whatever. Uh, but I, I kind of just like, I, I don't want to support them. That's the, like this different. Can you enjoy the story that I don't want to support them? Sure. Warren Ellis is actually a really good example. Yeah. All right. Uh, I would Brian, read a book if you put it out right now, and I'm not afraid to say it. I would read it immediately. And he, and he, like, and you you mentioned him being like unpleasant when you interact with him, and like, same, <laughs> been been there. But like, yeah. well, everyone, that's his thing. He's an asshole. Everyone was pleasant, unpleasant. Brian R, who I believe is in the chat rooms, he has two questions. His first: Let's say an eccentric billionaire drops ten million dollars on the podcast. What do your lives look like six months later? And if you and you need a tax sheltering accountant, you can holler. Hmm. Um. I actually had this conversation with my wife the other day, uh-huh. and she, it was like, "What if you suddenly became independently wealthy?" And I was like, "I would start a band and tour." <laughs> it's literally what I would do. I would start a band. And I'd spend all my time trying to get really good and find people. And then I'd just tour places. And I might even, if I, like, we're talking a ton of money, I might even hire another band to attract <laughs> people so that my band could play. I thought you were going to say hire another band to play behind the curtain of your band. And no, 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 no. Band. I absolutely want to play and write music and do all the stuff. But if whatever it takes to get people to go to the shows, not like, I don't want to pay them, but, you know, like some way, you get a ringer, you know, it's- I would do that. That's exactly what I mean. Like I, I, you know, give the kids something and buy a house and clean up all the. Well, I mean, look. First of all, I mean, the boring answer is after taxes and splitting it a bunch of ways. Ten million dollars isn't isn't gonna. You guys have made this argument before. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I actually read the word billionaire and I I heard ten billion. It's ten million. Yeah. Then you're talking two million, and it's just like, oh, that's just invest it in something. You can't stop working at that point. No, not at all. Yeah. It's that. What was that line from? from uh, Succession, $5 million, you're the poorest, richest man in, America, in the world. <laughs> um, it's boring, but that no, I, I would love so to get to a point where I just, wait, do this, just do this all the time, but that's probably not enough money. But I'll be on tour. It sounds uh, crazy. I guess I could do it from the road, but it depends. I, let's say it's a billion, because I think it's more interesting that sure. way. $10 billion. Sure. I almost start hunting people. I mean, like $10 million, I mean, Yes, it's awesome. It would change everything, sort of, but like ten billion, you can start to get stupid. You're like, I would do this from a jet, like that <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, look, the most fun That's, I've had I mean, professionally sound, has been do- when we did this a full time. I'd, I'd love to just do that and not worry about it. But um, I 
that's the way it goes. Uh, Brian has a second question. You don't think you, you don't think you get burnt out by this point doing the, the website full time? No, I wouldn't do the whole website. I would just do this. I would do probably some more shows and things, but different kinds of shows. The show. Yeah, we could we could we could do some kind of show. Nobody's daily shows or something. Heard of before. What, um, uh, Ryan? What would you do with with we'll say the billion with the billion? What does that look like for you? Well, I mean, I think you guys would give me like maybe a million. So you know, I'd get like okay, don't don't I get like one percent of it. (laughs) The question (sighs) is, what's your rich person fantasy? Pay off my mortgage. Oh Jesus, fuck it. (laughs) The two of you. No, I'll, I'll like, tell you. Well, tell with you the tax do. implications, I mean, maybe I would get a new Honda Accord. You know, I'd even get the leather seats. But because right, I was going Josh, by the number in the question, which is you're, low, you're making fun of me. But I actually would, if anyone in the chat has like actual insight in this, I'd appreciate it. But I would get a, a Jeep Wrangler for XE, which is the Jeep plug-in hybrid, where you can drive like 40 miles on battery and then switch over to the engine. I think that would actually be kind of perfect for my lifestyle. So I would I buy one, one of those electric buses. The Volkswagen. Bus. Oh yeah, those things oh. are fucking cool. And I would buy a teardrop trailer so I could camp, like a you know, like a twenty thousand dollar teardrop trailer with like solar panels and stuff. And um, probably just buy some land up in the mountains. So really that far when, north. Would when, you? When shit goes down. I would have somewhere to hide out. Meet Woody Harrelson. Would you stop working? No, actually, I don't think I would. As I the said, end. I wouldn't have a real job. I mean, I guess the, the end. Band is <laughs> I mean, like, I, I the, the real answer is Josh's life gets way less stressful immediately. Yeah, immediately. That would be the thing. Because the thing I, support, I support Josh's there's people life who, being listen, less stressful. There's people who want a job and a career and a thing they want to do. I just want a job to pay for all the other No, I just meant like right this very moment it would get less stressful. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I mean, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 just harumph. the interview alone. Harumph, harumph. Uh, let's in the interest of time, let's go to number five. Uh, Josh D. Gold. So then <laughs> D. Gold says, uh, I've been thinking about this question since oh, before you were born. What he's if got two Green questions, Lantern, actually. Two questions. If Green Lantern uses his ring to create a construct of freshly baked meat lasagna, would that lasagna feel, taste, and digest exactly like real lasagna does? I don't think he can do that. That's. I mean, it would be hard. It would, it would be lasagna made out of hard light. It would just. It would. I mean, my wife would be happier with it because it'd be green <laughs> and, and non-caloric. Yeah, does it have yellow in lasagna? Isn't that like a? Isn't that but cheese? I, it doesn't make or, organic. Like when he makes a person, it's not like it's a. It's a. But like it's he like can a mannequin. Like a, he can make like a cushion. True. Mm. Wait a minute. Mm. Can you have sex with a light construct? Whoa. I mean, how hard do you want to try? Uh, look at the time. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. So when he ma- when he it's no, not that, a good question. Wait, Josh, no, when, when, when he makes a person, is it like a fleshy person, or is it like when you touch them, or do they feel like plastic because it's a hard light construct? Uh, no, I I figure it's it's real because the, the energy can sort of form it into whatever it needs to. I always think of it as a real thing because it's better than just like a a three D printed shape of it. I, I've said this. I've said this on the show before, and I stand by it. And I think one of the coolest things that Jeff Johns did with the um, Green Lantern mythos is that Kilowog's ring is the only ring, for whatever reason, that produces sound. And so all the other constructs are actually just light, and they don't make any sounds. So I feel like that would make the lasagna or person you're trying to have sex with much less appealing. <laughs> 
I believe oh, I believe that you could get a texture that would be like lasagna, but it wouldn't taste like anything. No, it would have to, it wouldn't it wouldn't But it wouldn't sound it. like anything either. Right. But it w- Yeah, but isn't the sound some of the sound coming from the friction of two objects making contact? But the property, guarantee if you ate the property a of what you're biting into, you'd be is... disappointed. Listen, I don't like lasagna anyway. What? Don't don't I don't don't, eat don't don't. I don't yeah. not listen. This is just a thing time. he's got. I don't I'm... eat cheese. I wish I did. It's fucking annoying. Mostly because when you say you don't like cheese, everyone says you don't like cheese, like it's a fucking choice. Like the homophobes of food preferences. Josh, read the second question. Wow, we're getting salty. (laughs) We're not even five questions in. Josh, the second question from D. Also, what is the current continuity status of Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Tommy, a.k.a. Green Ranger turned White Ranger? D. I'm glad you asked. Um... (laughs) Josh has left to go for his band. (laughs) As far as I know, uh, Tommy Oliver... Arguably the greatest ranger who's ever uh, held the coin is still the White Ranger holding Saban, the White Ranger sword, operating the Tiger sword. Um, Josh, back up from the mic a little bit. Uh, no, it's on purpose. I got no, but I gotta, I gotta answer this because it's important. People, people asked. Um, he is the de facto leader of the the current team of Power Rangers. There is a Green Ranger who's a guy named Matthew. He's not from the show, but he, you know, obviously is a part of the Angel Grove High School community. And his power point is unconnected from the Morphing Grid, which is really interesting because, like, most of the Power Rangers, their power comes from the Morphing Grid. So, like, that okay, so outside the Morphing Grid is really interesting. But um, what is you know, he? What is the current status? He is still the White Ranger, uh, de facto leader of the Power Rangers. And the coolest thing that happened recently... They made the white is, guy the leader? Um, always <laughs> have. Because <laughs> in Voltron, it's the it's the black guy who's the leader, even though it's just a black suit. It's not actually a black guy. They're all Japanese. Um, the, cool, the coolest thing that's happened recently is the Tiger Zord and the Dragon Zord actually combined to form a Tiger Dragon Zord, and that was awesome. And then um, Lizzo played the Dragon Flute and uh, summoned the Dragon Zord in Washington, D.C., and that was that was really awesome. Yeah. Too. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip Ed K. Any, writes remaining, in. Any, any remaining Power Rangers questions. Ed K., go ahead. I uh, thought I'd spin the patron powers idea around. Probably not original, but here it is. A will it, you know. Host superpowers, Josh, can make people believe that he is any celebrity when speaking with their accent. I can already do that, Ed. But they actually believe it's you. Yeah, I know. I know. Eddie Vedder. My wife does not like when I walk around talking like Eddie Vedder for like a long time. Uh, Connor, able to correctly diagnose any vehicle issue better than the code reader just by touch. It turned into Christopher Walken and Eddie Vedder. Yeah. That'd be great. I would like that. I mean, it's you. there's an app now. I mean, it's, it's super easy. I know, but touch. Did you great. also know the codes? Like you see the number and you're like, oh, that's a blown spark plug. <laughs> Ryan can create a visual presentation about any extinct animal and show a comparable animal from Star Wars. Um, I mean, he can definitely he, do that. He can just do that now. Yeah, that's like, not a power. Like he, he wouldn't even have to look shit up. No. It wouldn't be hard. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd like pull some images off, you know, off the internet. But... Uh, and Ron who is able to physically hear any iFanboy episode while it's being recorded, but only when he's not on it. It probably gets in the way of his work. Yeah, but at least we could say he's been listening to the episodes. 
I, I feel like if Ron could just hear the mouse clicks, that would be... <laughs> that would be the... His patron power should be he can hear the clicks of the mouse. His patron power should be that he can hear the click of any mouse that he shouldn't hear on a podcast as it happens in real time. Um, he hates Friday nights particularly. We're going to skip seven. We've answered that one a bunch of times. Uh, eight, Zach G from Virginia... If someone were to create a musical biopic in comic book form, which artist band would best would be the best subject and why? To me, that is a toss-up between Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. What? Which musical biopic? Yeah. But it's an artist and a band. Oh, I gotta name a band. Um, yeah, a musical biopic. It's a book about a music. When I when I see the word biopic, I really want to say biopic, and I'm you still say it not all sure the time. That's okay, you say it all the yeah. time. It's wrong. Uh, so we've we've had Johnny Cash. We've had uh, several Beatles ones. Oh, musical I've biopic read. in comic form, not a musical biopic about a comic book person. No. I totally <laughs> okay. Who's singing in that, I um, leave in objectivity. <laughs> Don't cross the street unless you're allowed. <laughs> so whose life lends itself to? I mean, they've is, they've literally already done the Beatles, so we they've done several, do several. Uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Twins. I want dancing guy in a comic book, drawn by Jack Kirby. No, he was. I think this is about pairing. No, 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 no. Which it which music? Which band or artist would make the best comic and why? That's it. That's the question. So well, it's, who's, who's cre- it's the person who's creating the bi- biopic. No, there's no the question about the about. creator. It's just literally who's the band, which band yeah, is the person. Yeah, that's weird. Ryan got it confused, and now you're confused. Oh. Oh. I like how I did it better, by the way. I, me too. Yeah. Thank I understand. You, Josh. You, so and I are, is Josh, you and I are correct. Other than Bowie. You're just naming a band, which is like, meh. Other than um, Bowie. Okay. Um, is there a tragic one? I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick. Uh, uh, I'm still gonna pick an artist for it because I think that that's you worth can. it. You can. Uh, I'm gonna do the Who, specifically Keith Moon, as drawn mm. by Ramon Perez. Hmm. Mm. It's tragic, but in like a slow car crash kind of way. You could do almost exactly the same one about John Bonham. Just this isn't going to sound a little strange, but Josh may get it. Uh, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if it'll work, but I think it's got enough. And this is not because it's visually, you know, there's not a lot of visual flair to it. But I think a story about George Jones done would be really interesting. <laughs> it would um, be. I think Robert Johnson. Let's go like let's go super old school. Devil I the guarantee you that has been done in indie comic short form many times. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just like if you want to find I that, said, I'm pretty sure that's listen, out there. I said Mighty Mighty Boston's. I got nothing from you two jamokes. So. I saw them. I saw them. They played at a college. That's my first stage them. dive ever. And last, I did not know that. <laughs> I, I saw them. I was at the Ben Light Gymnasium a, with Josh. You're a not Scott with Josh, but stage we diver. I'm not. It was a punk show, though, but he started pulling everybody else up, everybody up, and I was like, well, when does this happen? You know, like, they were full Bostoning it. They were fun. Yeah, they were. It was super fun I show. I being a super fun show. Uh, <laughs> J- uh, Ryan Dunine. Martin S. Has your view on Slavin Comics CGC 
changed at all over the past 10 years. As I move to more digital, I am thinking about downsizing my collection. The idea of slabbing some expensive back issues I have is more appealing. I don't know that I've um, proffered my opinion on slabbing comics. I think it's stupid as hell. Well, the reason why he's bringing this up is because we did a very, very infamous video. Oh, I remember. Where- Early yeah. on, well, we talked to and the audience we... who's listening, who may not have been around ten years ago. It's, it's no, a very I famous Connor, so video in which we bought a, or we got it. We had to get it at auction. Uh, uh, Ash won. He he won it as a prize. Our friend Ash won it in an auction, and we we filmed a video of us ripping the slab <laughs> open on the floor of Comic Con, and ooh, people I, did not like that. No, people, and also when I when I look at it now, I'm like, you smug little ass. We were smug assholes at the beginning. That's yeah, no, it's it's quite bad. It didn't age well. Um, I don't know that I I think that most of the slabbing that goes on is very silly and it it, it, it's like a value and a price that doesn't really exist. Like a variant comic is worth money for two days, you know, and in three months, no one cares. And it's also just like this tiny little market. So it has no real value. However, I can see the uh, uh, inherent good idea about putting like a real classic valuable like real valuable comic in a way that has been thought out very well to protect that comic it could come out if it needed to but really you probably wouldn't be thumbing through you know detective 27 very much at all anyway yeah i mean i get i get the idea behind a, a incredibly actually valuable artifact right. i i i'm against like kind of like what ryan said against the idea of it in principle because it's, it's it should be read yes and even if you're not going to be pulling out action comics number one in your cotton cotton archivist gloves to read it uh, i think it still should be readable accessible that's what it is yeah that's fair but i understand that's how they're really old ones are protected and i get it i understand it i don't i don't still like it I don't know. I mean, I think if we're talking about what are essentially like museum pieces, I also don't blame people for getting them done either. If that's what you mean. No, I, but I, I mean, if we're talking about like a museum piece, we're talking about yeah. what, you know, the three of us will consider a piece of history, you know, a GI Joe 21. Mm. Um, you know, I, I could I, not believe how expensive those were when you told me. I know. I, I decided I really need it. So, you know what? Actually, it was I went to um, Granite, Granite Con. Little tiny New Hampshire con, and I saw on one of the shelves, uh, GI Joe 21 in a in a CGC slab, and I was like, if things were a little different right now, I'd definitely go check that out. Like, I was serious. <laughs> I cannot believe how expensive this. I, I probably, I definitely got rid of it. That's annoying. Um, I framed, wait, you I had that in your collection that you gave away? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I framed oh, the sure. first issue. And I had I 20. Sorry. I had this all is the of back them. of my phone. I had 26. I had the origin of Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. I had 26, 27, 28. I had all those. So you didn't keep any of them? No, no. I've gone through and like kept. I I I have some runs that I'm keeping. No, I kept some runs. I don't think I kept GI Joe though. Oh, that's so weird. Because I had the trades. I know, but I'm really surprised about that. I know. At least like the first. I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I didn't have a lot of time to think. It's fine. It's fair. I understand. It's a it's it's a mistake that I would have made, but I am not going to not call it a mistake. That was a mistake. I understand. Ryan, what were you saying? I was just saying I framed the the one and only issue I've been pull quoted in. Oh, sweet. Well, I have but that like, back here. I framed it. I didn't slap it. I have that right here behind me. My my oh, issue criminal. that I, I pulled. No, mine. Oh. I did the same thing. It's right here. Criminal. Yeah. I think mine's in, in that closet. <laughs> I just <laughs> I have a stack of comics in which I appear. I've only I've only lived oh, here. They're for... just in a stack. They're not. Megan's keeping, a, Megan's keeping a box of all the comics that we get killed in. 
I had to buy. To I like, bought one. To like I bought throw off the detectives. <laughs> like I bought the uh, the one bad day yeah. uh, issue at that con, so I could show Henry that I was in the book. And he was like, "Why is Michael Stipe there?" And I was like, "You don't know who Michael Stipe is." <laughs> oh, uh, Ryan, do ten. Brad G from Exeter, California. If you were to go to a two week, if you were to go on a two week road trip with any four non powered comic book characters, who would it be? That's a gr- that's a great question. Four four people two, is like what? Two car weeks we is a long time. Two weeks is a long time, and four people is a lot of people on a road trip. It's too it's, it's good, too long for people who do not know each other. It's a good question. Um, I went on a this is a ta- related tangent. So Josh and I both attended our school's Los Angeles program. Our school was in New York. And uh, we did it at different times. Josh is already falling asleep, by the way. No, uh, New York I, City. I drove across country with a bunch of our friends from college that Josh was also friends with. And it was only a one-week road trip. There was, there was four of us. And by the end of it, no one was talking. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like anger not talking or out of Just stuff to like, talk about? I don't need to see you for a while. It was me right. and Scott and Steve and... Um, well, that guy's think, a weirdo. I don't think Scott. you knew John, Steve's friend. I, anyway, kinda, but I don't they're, know. All, they're all, you know, basically nice guys. I like them. They were my they were friends. But by the end of it, I said, let's talk in a couple of weeks. Was that, that because was you weren't friends? No, we were friends before. I knew them all. I knew all of them. Right. So, but you, I mean, see, I've been spending 24 hours a day for two weeks in a car. I, I drove, I was with friends and, and it was all good. Depends the way out, I actually became, you with. I became two, week, friends two weeks is a long time. Like two, two weeks, weeks is a longer than I was you, on the road. You that could is... you could drive from New York to L.A. and back. Oh, Josh did it in two days. Yeah, he did L.A. to New York, upstate New York in two, in two nights. I did it two nights. You but did it saying, one night. You did it one night. I did it in two nights. But it, but like road trip to me implies like we're stopping at sure. tourist traps yeah, yeah, yeah. and balls, having a giant ball of twine and everything. Um, the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. I would, I would have Dick Grayson. Good cool. utility. Uh, man, I don't know if I'd want Tony Stark. Wait, wait, wait! Just before no, you we don't go, want Tony you... Stark for two weeks. I don't think no, so. definitely not. Jesus, I can't even read him for three issues. Uh, uh, he's all gonna be bros. Are you bringing any? Like, because if you had Starfire along, that could be a problem. Well, she's she's powered. She's powered. I oh, mean, non-powered. M- mocking, mo- mockingbird. No, I'm just Maybe? trying to think of attractive. Listen, if I'm going on a two-week road trip, like Barbara Gordon's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Brown, like it's going to be Wait, no. a much different road trip. Wait, in this universe, <laughs> are we divested of our current lives? Yeah, yeah, no. And this I is said me at lives. This is me at 25. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I was married. No, I, was I, like, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like to take the turn. This is I'm just saying, it. if it's going to be two weeks, might as well be <laughs> diverting. But you could definitely have a situation if it was two weeks and you have some mixing going on, then by the <laughs> end, you end up with the same thing where no one's talking. In fact, it's, it's oh, yeah. likely... <laughs> in fact, I get left in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, oh. All right, that was fun. Wait, we oh. didn't answer the question. I, well, I, you know, what, I'm gonna you get, I, I want to name. You said Dick Grayson. You said Tony. I'm gonna Stark. name four people. I'm gonna name four people. No, he all said right. not Tony Stark. He's only got one. Okay. 
Dick Grayson, Bobby Morse, uh, Natasha Romanoff. <laughs> Ooh. And somebody's gonna feel bad about themselves at the end of that one. It's not Dick Grayson. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You're the guy getting sand kicked in his face. <laughs> and who's and, your fourth? Um, my fourth. Somebody in the chat room said Jimmy Olsen because he can take photos of all your trips. He's not a superhero. Yeah, he's well, a you got it's a good. He's a combat character. A no, I'd say that's okay. I, it's a good security because if like you really get into trouble, you can be like, bleep. You know what? I just I'm just gonna I'm gonna go full wild card. The Riddler. You're, you're, That's a you're terrible. Very strange. But you, you do have somebody I mean, filling the the silence and been like exactly. Oh, so boring. I mean, you you want to like, say Kingpin? All right, all right. Riddle me you this. Do you want to share the backseat with Kingpin? You don't. You want a little a little Frank Gorshin? Man. I mean, like I'm saying, my favorite non power character is probably going to be Clint Barton. I don't want him in that car. Well, that, I mean, Clint Barton's <laughs> the obvious choice. I mean, he would be wants... sitting in the passenger seat talking about he would how he would be a better driver. <laughs> and so would and so would Star Lord. Mm-hmm. All right. Does does Rocket Raccoon technically have powers? Yes, he's uh, been sen- he's been um, yeah. modified genetically. I feel like I would get I feel like I would get along well with Rocket. All right. The next, this next question is an audio question. We're going to see if this works. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Wes from Philly, Minnesota, and I had a question about good old superhero comics. When did do you think good old superheroes go out of style? In the 90s, it seemed like we had Marvel's Kingdom Come, uh, JLA, Kirby Sick, and George Perez's Avengers. Gosh was definitely still in style. But with Marvel Knights, and definitely by the time Civil War started, Gosh seemed to go out of style. What do you think? Is that about the right time? Is it earlier? Is it later? Uh, how prevalent do you think Gosh still is in today's market? Thanks. Happy 850. I would actually disagree with him on a couple of those books. I don't think Marvels and, and Kingdom Come are gosh comics. No. I think that's part of the those are, part of the change. Yeah, the modern they're great world. comics, but they're very serious. I mean, other than that, it's kind of I you know our eighties gosh. Well, see, the thing is, gosh is in fact uh, malleable. There could be seventies gosh, eighties gosh, nineties mm-hmm. gosh. You know, it eventually we'll be like, well, there's two thousands gosh, except they're not really good old there. So there must be a cutoff, at least at our age. Um, there's, there's Josh, gosh. Gosh, which are excellent overalls, but they don't come in a big enough size for me. Um, gosh, Josh, gosh, gosh, what was it? Gosh, 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 I got me gosh, thinking when he was saying though that actually, like the little conclusion I came to is that if it hadn't been for modern comics, I would have never gotten to appreciate good old superhero comics. Well, you need you need the contrast. No, no, sure. for me specifically, point. like. Uh, after like you know ten years of of Rucka and Brubaker and sort of like bringing the serious into comics, then I was like, uh, you'll, I'll look at an older comic, and go, oh, I totally get it. Like this is fun. I wouldn't have gotten there if I hadn't read all those co- newer comics, though. So when do they go out of style? I mean, I think he's not wrong. It's the it's the it, end of the nineties. It's the it's the Marvels. It's the, it's the, the Kingdom the Come. Bankruptcy. It's the Marvel Knights. It's it's that whole thing. It it's starts the in the nineties. Everything after the bust was at the end of that because they had to come yeah. back in and reinvent things. Yeah, I that's, mean, you can see it starting at Vertigo in the late eighties. Like that's that's the germ of the thing. Which then, yeah. of course, the germ of that would be indie comics, but or British comics. Ryan, do you concur? I don't know. I mean, I I got back into comics as like a regular 
media that I checked into, you know, week to week in the early aughts. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, I think, offline. But, like, if the goal of the Ultimate line at Marvel Comics was to get people reinvested in the characters that they hadn't been keeping up with um, previously, like, that actually worked on me. And so I actually... Felt like the the Marvel line was sort of, the Ultimates line at Marvel was sort of my gosh reintroduction. Fair, but let's talk about if you have to pick up a comic book from the seventies. Now you never read comic books in the seventies. It's going to read very differently than most of the comics you're reading now, unless that's its thing is to be like that. Do you have an appreciation for how the comics were made at that point? 60s, 70s, something like that, even though you never read it. And that is not the same as the Ultimates. No, I did. I, I, it's a good question. I didn't have an appreciation of that until doing, you know, the working with iFanboy. Right. And I, and lit, I mean, we talked about this on a recent episode, but like I've literally taken college classes on comic books. So like I needed that level of introduction to appreciate that. Like it wasn't, didn't, it wasn't inherent in my right. reading of comics to, to appreciate those books. Yeah. And, and that's, that's interesting because if I hadn't been a gigantic comic book snob, I would have had a much harder time appreciating stupid comics from, I remember, I remember when I was a <laughs> kid, go on too. Yes. I remember when I was a kid, there was like, you, you could buy like just a, a random grab bag of books from the bookstore. They had like, you know, a, a bound together um, stack of, of five or six issues. It was both DC and Marvel, and so I remember getting, like, an issue that was something post-Death and Return of Superman, but, like, it was still had Eradicator and Cyborg Superman and all the other characters, and then it was also this issue that had um, Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin with his kid, Normie, and then, like, Molten Man, and I was like, who the fuck is Molten Man? So, like, that... I think I've read that. That to me was the clo- it had a foil cover. It was Tom McFarlane. You probably did read it, Josh, but like it was the closest I ever got to I think the gosh ideal that you guys talk that, about. That Spider Man McFarlane is the last gasp of gosh. I think you're right. That, that David Michelini stuff or whoever, like that is it ended pretty like the, that's when they're all still talking to themselves in uh, word bubbles and you know meanwhile yeah. you know like. That's it. That's the last gasp. Like, what's the deal with Molten Man? He's, he, he's, he's a man. Uh, what's Molten? He's <laughs> he's very very warm. He's, I mean, he's got to be. He's at least five hundred cent. All right, guys. I'm very excited for this next question, Josh. Very very warm. You please give me a number. Twelve. Because, Twelve. Okay. Are you- Adam from Orlando, Florida says I've thought about this for the past twenty five years or so, uh, but since I wrote this email, my state was destroyed. And oh, it doesn't say that. Uh, I've thought about this for the past 25 years or so. Was it fair for the Rebellion to appoint Han and Lando as generals? Han had limited experience in the military as a pilot before becoming a drug smuggler. Sure, Lando had administration experience from overseeing Cloud City, but what did he bring in terms of leading an army? He showed that he can betray people just fine. What about certain heroes of the Rebellion who have years of experience getting passed over? What messages sent rebellion veterans and friends of Leia get my places without the background for it? This question turned. <laughs> well, he's, first it he's, was like this is a valid up, question, and then the end was here. just like you got passed over for a promotion, and this is your way of letting it out. First of all, I hope I, I hope generally hope that everything is okay for you in Florida, uh, because as soon as I see this image in Florida, I'm just like I, I hope your life still exists uh, in. in so I hope that this is fun then. 
All right, so. So there's all kinds of things happen in between the first movie and the second movie. We don't know about. There's a battle to Nab, and there's all kinds of things that happen. Oh, they, no, they, Connor, there's comic books. Regular folks yeah, but that don't movie know what happened. So, to Nab. so they could have distinguished themselves there. Also, Han Solo was uh, pertinent in destroying the first Death Star, so you get a, you get a battlefield promotion for that. Pertinent? Sure. He he stopped Darth Vader from killing Luke Skywalker. I just told him that's what pertinent means. <laughs> I've had two scotches. This pertinent's pretty close. It sounds right, but on inspection, <laughs> like it's, it's like. Also, is but like, I don't know. I don't know enough. If, you're, if you're friends of the boss, pertinent is time based. <laughs> he was also timely. And he was. He got was there in quite, a timely manner. He was quite timely. Yeah. For the time, he was pertinent. <laughs> the battle of sure. is it Yavin. Is it the battle of Yavin four? Yes, it is. Thank you. So all kinds of could all kinds of things could have happened in between, and they said they did. They they alluded to them in Empire that they had distinguished themselves. But in other why battles. isn't Luke also then a general? He didn't want to be. I, yeah, I don't. Just, I don't know that I, that's how promotions work. I sure, don't want to be this promotions. naughty jerk guy who says this, but there is a gosh thing here: is that these <laughs> are just comic books. Who cares how the Batmobile gets filled with gas? And that is the real reason. Who who in the Rebel Alliance is responsible Ill. for battlefield promotions? Because what, what you guys are suggesting and, is that Han got a battlefield promotion for his role in the destruction of the first Death Star. And then I think what he did in between the films got him up to general status. But like, is it Mon Mothma? Like, who is like who's authorizing these Akbar. promotions? Akbar. Akbar. Akbar? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't get Akbar. me started on Akbar. He's the admiral. Don't get me started on Akbar. But Leia's the Listen. ultimate. Listen, I be- the thing is this. I agree with Han Solo being a general. I like that he wasn't looking for it. He's like, all right, I guess I can do the job. Lando, some bullshit happened. And I agree, like, no one should put that man in a leadership. Well, Lando, Lando showed up wearing Han's clothes, and they're like, I guess, I guess this is... Dude, well, wait, 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 though. I'm only thinking of Bespin. Bespin was a problem, but he really did... He went above and beyond. He was an administrator general. at Bespin. Wait. He went above and beyond in the rescue of Luke Skywalker, and the generalship... Did not he? exist as far as we know until after. Yeah, no, he he embedded. I guess he went, a, he, went under, he went undercover. He did go undercover. No, he he like he gave all. Yeah, but does that get you a generalship? I don't know. No, but again, why we don't did know. there were why there did were things that happened in between battles that happened? That what was the maneuver? Lando, that, Lando that was Lando the battle snap guy. We don't know what he did there. The Maybe he, he led the troops. The Corbinite maneuver. It Maybe. should have been the. It should have been. All right, I don't have time. Maybe General Nadine, you know, Maydeen. messed up and Lando took charge and won the battle. We don't know. Crix Cr- never made a goddamn tactical mistake in his life. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you're friends with the boss and the boss wants to bang you, you'll get a promotion. It's totally That's true. how life works. Well, in, in 1977, question. that was the case. It's still so the case now. So what message is sent to rebellion veterans? I don't know that rebellions are complicated. and There's not yeah. like... In the heat of battle... Nepotism still exists, and like Fucking if Udoka, why would he do that? If we've learned anything from the the sequel trilogy, it's that just because you have a successful rebellion doesn't mean that the organization that pulled off the rebellion is the right organization to lead. That, and that's something that happens all the time in the real world. The, uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, the general that that performs yes, the coup is that that's not uh, suited for for leadership. Or maybe Danny Danny in Game of Thrones was great at conquering. Not great at ruling. So the message it sends is that maybe like General Leia had lost what made her a good senator or ambassador. Or a, I'm a you know diplomatic envoy. 
And like, yeah, you do have to shake things up after the rebellion succeeds because otherwise you end up with the same. Are you saying it was a mistake to promote Han and Lando? That's what it sounds like you're saying. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know that Han. Purpose. I don't know that Han was a good promotion. Guy went off to keep smuggling with Chewie, lost his own ship. I don't know. Hey, a death mark is not an easy thing to live with. Yeah. Well, I mean, but did he have a death mark? And how much did he actually get paid for being a general? He's got expenses. He's got a ship that's falling apart constantly. Needs yeah. parts and labor. He's out there on a World War II tank. Think about how much shampoo Chewie goes through. <laughs> and I mean, I hear, I, I hear the original Falcon. Star Wars thing. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but bravo. We, we all we know is question. that uh, Han ship has a bad motivator. Or is it R- R2-D4 that has a bad motivator? Somebody's R- got R2- a bad motivator. R2-D4. Uh, Are you Ryan, sure there's do- no alcohol in that? 213, right? So we're going to... 213. Micah L. asks, I've been thinking about this question since I proposed to my fiancé last year. Ooh, fancy. Very French. I remember oh. in the past on the podcast there being a Valentine's Day question. That's true, but that was before my time. I hope this isn't out of the question or out of the line, but I was wondering if you have any advice on marriage. I'm not having any doubt. I'm marrying my best friend, but I'm nervous. Are we sure there's no moonshine in your drink? There's not. I Are you just very tired? I mean, I didn't take a nap today like Josh did. I made neck bone soup. 45, motherfucker. It's tiring. <laughs> I made we, neck bone soup. Neither of you commented on my soup. I thought that was a delicious looking drop. I was in the middle of trying to finish work so I could do the <sighs> show. I saw a tiny right. thumbnail while I was making dinner for my kids and putting them to bed. I haven't really, really disappointed in your guys' soup response to me. I don't even know what fucking neck bone soup is. It sounds like a it's Korean. Like it's All right, gamjatang. It was delicious. Are we supposed to have encyclopedic knowledge of all soups? Yeah, it's fall. All right, I don't like soup. Let's give one piece of advice like on booze, marriage. Booze. You don't like coffee. Each, you don't like soup. Each, each one piece. I like coffee. Each. Josh drinks coffee all the time. I drink coffee every day. It's fantastic. I won't drink. You didn't used shit. to. When I That's started true. this show, I was the only coffee drinker amongst a lot of you. And then I had kids. <laughs> you had kids before I started this show. Kane T from Ontario, oh, Canada. We haven't answered the question. Oh, we haven't answered this one? Oh. Marriage <laughs> advice. Talking about in this Coke. Clearly, we can't keep our own relationship together. <laughs> but, like, we have wives. All right, marriage advice. Uh, hmm. Uh, 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 Josh, you're usually good with this. Really think about uh, the things that you're going to be upset and angry about because most of the time it is not worth the energy to bring it up. Um, a big one, this is like real, and I won't, we won't keep doing this forever. Uh, if you're a dude, um, a lot of times when you hear somebody tell you their problem, your thing is to go into um, – uh, uh, solution mode and problem yeah. solving and in my experience uh, that's, not that's not what that is about it is about uh, empathizing and listening to the thing not telling them what they should do uh, hey that sucks that, do, do you need to keep I, talking about it yeah oh no we fixed that shit a long time ago we're good no no man but you're right you're right I mean that's like yeah. um, to, to, to build on that I think in my marriage communication is huge and like Communication breaks down. People get frustrated. They get upset. They get, they just get short. Like, you know, there's plenty of mornings where the kid needs to get to daycare. He needs food. We both need coffee. Like it's, it's just tough and we snap at each other and it's, it's about nothing. It's about everything, whatever. But like 
taking a breath, calming down, walking over to your partner and saying, hey, you know, like, I snapped. wasn't about you necessarily. It was just, I just wasn't. In- <laughs> it's a lie. No, but like, but <laughs> truly, but just like, it wasn't like, you know, it was about what I was dealing with and it was about whatever. I was tired. I hadn't had coffee yet, whatever. Like, I love you. You're great. Like, you know, please don't overly read into that moment of me not being the kindest person that I could have been because like, you're never going to be the kindest person you can be all the time. But like, you can always say so after the fact in a sincere way and just say like, Hey, like I, I screwed up. I wasn't the best person I could be in that moment, but like, I hope we're still good. I still love you. Let's, you know, like let's, let's, you know, if, if there's, if there's an actual thing to address, I'm serious. Like if there's no, 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 no. Brian Rosenberg made the excellent, excellent suggestion of not going on a road trip with Nastasha Romanoff and Bobby chase. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. Listen, I've been in a happy marriage for a really long time, and I don't really know what that's like. It wasn't always, but like lately, I'm saying try going through some really traumatic shit with people. And I actually think road trips, road trips with your spouse are awesome. Like seriously, if you have to go through some serious shit together, uh, if you're still together at the end of it, then all of a sudden the little petty shit that you were worried about is gone. You're just like, I'm just happier around. Well, it sounds it sounds dumb. Need them. I mean, it sounds dumb, but like, find a moment where you've like you've both had the appropriate amount of like food and caffeine. Because like, when you're hungry or you're just not like you're tired or you're not caffeinated, it's hard. But like, if you find a moment where you're both in a decent place and you just hug, like oh, hugging, all the time. never hugging, hugging, great. But like, it it sounds silly to say it out loud because I feel like if you're in a relationship to the point where marriage is something that's happening. Mm-hmm. It sounds obvious and and silly to say so, but like literally just embracing each other and like wrapping your arms around each other and just like being there physically, you know, touching and being present. Like it again, it sounds silly, but like it it that physical connection makes a difference. And in the age of Twitter, I do feel like it is important to say out loud, it is a good thing to touch other people appropriately in a way that is like soothing and comforting and Which brings me to my next question for Connor. Which is what about banging? What do you? How would you? Yeah, Connor. How do you? What? What's your bang situation? <laughs> Next question. Well, I'll just say really quick that uh, I think it's important not to be subsumed by the relationship and, and allow each of you to have your own things in space and to do things. On, that's very on your good. Own. That's very. It's very good. There's a reason I'm in my basement alone without my wife tonight. It's because well, I she's do not my... on the show. <laughs> well, that's true. That's right. Yes, someone came on the show. We would have her on, and you'd be gone. She reads comics. I know. Yeah, so be careful. Yeah, if she yeah. improves at all, witty. As long as, as long as, as long as you pay her the same fee, it's fine. Ain't he from our? She understands when a segment's over, and to then stop at that point. No, she's worse about that than I am. Kane oh, T from on. Ontario, Canada. I was just listening to your podcast in about March of this year. I'm sorry. I just started listening to your podcast in March of this year. I started with the talks blows of creators I liked and eventually decided to start with episode number one and listen to all the picks of the week. I've just now passed episode 750, and I might actually get caught up to 850 by the time it comes out. Jeez. Through this binging, I've noticed a, a phrase come up constantly, usually after reading number, number one issue or the first few issues of a series where you, mainly Josh, say, quote, I don't know what this is yet, unquote. So my question is this. What does that mean to you? What is your thought process in figuring out what something is? And why does this seem to have such a large impact on whether or not you enjoy a book? You do say that I guess a lot. that's about mainly me. 
Um, I mean, I've said I it before it, too. I think sure. it has to do with you have expectations about something and they're based on what that thing is. And so if you're unable to define what their purpose is, it's hard to look forward to what comes next unless there's something else about it that is, uh, uh, you know, that is attractive. It would be the art or, you know, the dialogue or something like that. But for me, like, I mean, unless a, unless a story is absolutely amazing. No, that's the, yeah. I mean, you want to know what you're, you want to know what you're into. Like, it's fun to walk in with a mystery at the middle, but if at the end of that first chapter, you're like, I'm not sure, you know, who the protagonist is, what the problem is, why I'm supposed to care about this, those, all those things. Yeah. First of all, what I'm, I want to apologize to Kane. Yeah. I don't know why his graphic on screen says he's California. He's from Canada. Um, because sometimes, because we all have in Ontario and California. We all that's true. We all have expectations of a read a story. So if it's a horror story, you have different expectations than you're reading a comedy or a romantic romance. Like you have an idea in your head. So if you're not sure what it is you're reading, you're not sure how to settle into it sometimes, or or how to react to the choices that they're making. Right. And so yeah, and like someone in the chat room said, like if you're, you're reading this crime book, like True Cult, is this going to bring in supernatural? It does. Well, so I, it's a different it's a different mindset than than just reading a straight crime book. I see this a lot. I, it's I, not a big I mean, it's not a huge deal for me, but it's what it But is. I feel like on Twitter I see people being like, I look at my streaming services and I can't figure out what movie to watch. So then I watch two to three episodes of an hour long drama. So it's like they you know, they're kind of self flagellating that they've spent three hours watching a television show as opposed to, you know, that much time or less watching a movie. But the thing that I think is lost in that observation is the nature of serialized storytelling. So, like, comics, they're serialized yes. in a way where issue five or six, you're into the story in a way where you just jump in. You're not being introduced to everything. And I think that actually makes I think that makes a difference. I think, I think know, another way to phrase it is that I'm not sure why I should make the investment or if I'm excited about what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a. I, 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 it's not I, a huge think, problem. It's just sometimes you don't know what it is you're doing. And and there's that that can actually go two ways. Where I'm really enjoying this. Out. Yeah. It's it's if you're really enjoying it for some reason, then I don't know what this is yet. That can be exciting. Mm-hmm. If you're three issues in and you're trying to like something, you're like, I don't even know what this is. That's a bad thing. Like there's different ways to put it. I think. Yeah. Josh Corin uh, fifteen. He has two questions. Corin E. The first one for sure. And fill in the rest of that. It's one of my favorite surnames. Uh, if you could work for any fictional organization, the S, which tells me where you're from, uh, which would it be, and what would you want to do? So, aim? are we going to work at Stark? Are we going to work at the Daily Bugle? I think AIM. I mean, I am not at all surprised that Ryan's going to go over Ryan. Ryan just went the pure science route. He's like, okay, listen, some people say they're bad. However, however, if I can do whatever science I want, I'm going to be suits. Wait, now I want to know what ethical considerations you've had to avoid to not do the science you want. Anyway, well, I mean, you've um, seen Jurassic Park. Sure. All paleontologists have had to avoid those ethical considerations. And you're going to wear the bee suit and everything? I just, I I have bee suits at work because we have beehives, but I do have a bee suit available to me. I also just rewatched Jurassic Park. That's a fantastic movie. The first one yes, is, a, is. is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Yeah. It's great. Uh, utterly um, rewatched. Aim. I got to say, a, aim. It's a, good a lot of the organizations in comic books are places you wouldn't want to work because they're frequently getting attacked and blown up. Or they're evil. 
Yeah. Like aim. Yeah. Someone in the chat suggested Cobra, which feels relevant to the two of you. No. I mean, I, no. I'd rather be a Joe. The Joe. I don't, I don't believe you that what. Cobra pays its employees on time. That place is a disaster. <laughs> Tell you what. G.I. Joe is not a bad way to go. G.I. Joe is not a bad way to go. Because you can take your... So, like, you'd take your expert. So, like, Connor would be, like, bookshelf. And he'd be the G.I. Joe librarian. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This is literally the next question. So, (laughs) I'm just saying. I like Corin's second. Yeah, read it. Uh, Corin wants to know, what, what do you think is the most underrated creative team during the time you've been reading comics? I have my answer. I would love to hear it. Warren Ellis and Stuart Eminem, Next Wave. Well, that's a book. It's a creative team. Neither of those people are underrated. Stuart, I, mean, I feel like they were underrated artists. on that book. You, really? You're I feel like that was a that people didn't buy, though. I feel like that was a huge buzz book at the time. How else am like, I supposed to judge people? books based on whether or not people bought them? Give me, yeah, give that's me a what, good point, too. What, what metric am I supposed to judge this underrated like get, tell me how i'm supposed to judge the underratedness you got me but, you, you got me i don't know but they weren't like warren ellis was a big name at the time so therefore but i felt like that book was a bit of a couldn't flop. have been underrated the book was underrated and neither was Stuart Eminent. he was he was a he was creative a, why, why was that book a flop was yeah i have a page from issue one directly in front of me it's excellent it was excellent, and I thought I wouldn't like it, and I didn't read it till later, and then I read it, and I was like, I was wrong. This was the best thing. I think that I didn't like it because so many people were telling me how great it was, because that's a thing I do. Yeah. Underrated creative team would apply a team who works but doesn't, like, move units or the industry. I mean, there's I mean, a, that's a there's hard a, question There's a answer. couple of Rucka Lark books, Gotham Central... I mean, look, most of Rucka's stuff doesn't blow the doors off in terms of sales other than when he's writing Batman. So you've got to say, like, you could say Rucka and Chris Samney on Queen of Country. What does underrated mean? Underrated is not, I mean, it's a a nonsense term. It doesn't mean anything. We don't like that term. Underrated means that people don't know it's as good as it is. And then, and then, but you were sort of talking about how whether something sold or not, and that's different. That's I, I, didn't, I was just applying a metric I'm, I'm, to the underratedness. I'm just working through it. I'm just working you could, through it. I mean, you could say you could say Alan Moore and Gene Haw on top ten. Like, did that book move the units? No, but it was yes, excellent. That sold. Yes, it did. Yes, it, yes, it did. All those ABC books sold like fuck. <laughs> they did. I did. I'm holding up my end of the bargain with the scotch. No one else did. Us. <laughs> but also, like, sold like fuck. Like, they sold okay. like fuck. I that know. I know. They book definitely fuck. Uh. Uh, I actually have a real answer. All right. Um, I, so did, I thought I did, but I got. I'm no, your answer's not I'm, bad. The book's underrated. Sure. I'm going to say it's team is hard because like the people didn't work together. But the first thing I thought of uh, uh, was Simon Oliver and Tony Mora on a vertical book called the exterminator. Oh, that's a thought, good answer. Was an amazing. Oh, that book. was a great. Yes. Yes. That was a great. And book. then Simon Oliver moved on to do a bunch of different things that either weren't good or weren't noticed. And then he was on Hellblazer for a really short amount of time. And he was replaced by Andy Diggle. He was supposed to be on it for a long time. I remember that. And then I hadn't heard from him again since then. Now, I don't know if he's an asshole, and that's why they're not working for him, but all of his work was super interesting and fun, and he just never caught on. No, that's a that's a really 
Good answer. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. Yeah. All right, our next question is another audio question. We got two this time, which was cool. Uh, we didn't know we could make I'll it. Tell you what, Phil Hester's art is and has been underrated forever. Yeah. Kevin Smith, Green Arrow. Right, That's on. how I here met. That's how I came in. That's how I found the next one. Ready? Here we go. Hi, fanboy. Congratulations on episode 850. With the end of the G.I. Joe run, I've been thinking about this question for a long time. If you could be a Joe, what would your code name be? And what would your skill set have been? And then when Duke asks you to get ready for a mission, what other four Joes would you include on your team? And Josh, I hope you include Alpine. Thanks again for everything you've done over these many years. You have kept us highly entertained. I appreciate everything you've done. Yo, Joe. You know, both, this is really strange, both calls exactly to the second the same length. Yeah, but you said you would cut out the platitudes, and you did not. There were platitudes. That's amazing. Um, there, there were compliments <laughs> that he said nice I can, things. I, a lot of work on this show. I'm not. I can take, Josh, your, your thing and run with it and say, if I'm the Joe Librarian, my code name is Hardback. Well, that's I like good. that. I like that a lot. Is that what you, what would you, but what would you choose for yourself? Oh, I, I had just know. made it. When I was a kid, I would have been one of the ninjas because that's all I, that's all. Right. I and now as an adult, you're no ninja. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> what stealthy. Does that mean? I'm not what stealthy mean? at all. He's a, he's a, he's, he's a large man. And like, <laughs> I'm not you stealthy. Be, that's, that's what they least expect. Josh. Him and I both have short legs. We're not <laughs> leaping. Oh, Josh, that's what they least expect. <laughs> we're, we're dense. I have a long torso. Josh, you're, you're clipped into your bike. They'll never hear you coming. So by, Josh, I have a very loud Josh, hub. Okay, Josh, your skill set is you're the Joe biker. You're going to buy a bicycle. Here's <laughs> but like thing. a really cool am, tricked out bicycle with like rockets and shit. I've read a lot about war in my time. Connor, as if This you, isn't real war. This is Joe war. Let me. <laughs> I ain't going near the front line. I no, am no. some sort of support based <laughs> Joe. You don't you're, want me up there. Josh, Josh isn't catering. Josh, if that's anything, code name is if, uh, if entree. anything, the closest I can come, there would be some sort of. You know, like in Josh back end Flanagan. He's in the you procurement know, like in, division. In, in Mad Joe. Max, you got the guitar player guy with the giant amps that <laughs> sure. Yeah. Some version of that. The two and, floor. And therefore, I would definitely have Alpine with me because he's the lead singer. Hold on, Josh's code name is Supply Chain. The Doof Warrior. Sorry. <laughs> he's he's supply chain and he makes supply sure chain. We have all uh, yeah. the weapons we need. Josh, the, I, I kind of like Josh the caterer Flanagan. <laughs> and then my and so I'm gonna go with mine and my uh my uh apparently there's already a guy named char broil and i'd be i'd be big fuzz that would be who i'd be <laughs> big fuzz and then i would have bazooka would ride shotgun uh-huh. just because like we would be out there and then i'm having clutch on the uh, driving sure but i'm picturing like a big tracked vehicle with a stack of amplifiers on it and it's used for i don't know you can't drive the vehicle while playing guitar though you gotta i don't want that's what i have clutch for the clutch drives josh is on top okay you know, right, rocking out. And so Alpine's not, there. So, but but now you're on the front lines, then, though. Well, I said, well, that's what I said. If, he, if, if I had to be up there, that's the capacity. He's on the front lines, the way the like little drummer boy is is on the. So front your your co- your Joe name is six string. E chord. E chord. Big fuzz. I don't know. I'm Strummer. making Strummer. Josh no. Strummer Flanagan. That's too. That sounds like a. <laughs> Josh. Josh pedal. I mean, I'm not. I'm not the GI Joe guy that you guys are. Well, give me a code name. 
Am I the am I the fossil collector? I yeah, your bones. The bones, the, the GI Joe archaeologist. Paleontologist. Dude. <laughs> We've been friends for a long time. <laughs> I know, but that's just what I thought. But that's it doesn't mean they get it right on the card. Like the Whew. whole time they'd be like, all right, we got the team archaeologist here. You're like, actually I'm a paleontologist. I'm like, whatever. Here's a brush and a trowel. That's when I hit him in the head with a hammer. Josh, um, someone in the chat room gave you the name code name Shoegaze. Ooh, I, like I think it's a good Joe code name. It is. That's really good. Um, let's do. Can I be? Can I be Ryan Extinction helped? But no, they never say their names around it. That's no. Not, it's just that's your code never, name. It's all you're called. Yeah, I'll be, be Extinction. I'll be. It can be Asteroid. That's what I mean, you could. But I feel like the Asteroid guy has to have some sort of space component. I don't think. I think you're Bones. Bones. All right, we Bones. Um, let's uh, Josh. Let's do. <laughs> Uh, 17 to the second question. Jackie T from Queens, New York says, uh, what are your top five Mark Wade stories? This is difficult Jeez. to remember. Let's just name some of our favorites because five is, five is hard to do for all of us. Okay, hang on. I'm so, JLA, you're one. <gasps> it's a good one. A good one. Uh, Kingdom Come. Uh, his, his flash run, which is, it's hard to say the whole thing. His flash, flash run. run. Fantastic Four run was also good. Uh, Superman Birthright. I wanna, I wanna, mm. I wanna give some his indie work some some love. And I think the irredeemable and in incorruptible. Mm-hmm. Incorruptible. That's almost one thing. Re- but they're both really good. They were sure. Like I think if 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 you know they're probably at the top of my stack for like Mark Wade stuff. Uh, all the bios he wrote for Who's Who. I love those. I like Superman Birthright. I think more than it probably deserves to be mentioned in the. I, we already mentioned it. I know, but I'm just saying. Like, I really Superman Birthright. Like, kind of glad that it's not like Superman canon, but like glad that it was written and exists. Well, you know, speaking of uh, conquering but not leading, his Empire book is really good, which was about a supervillain who. Took over I, the world I didn't and now, that. now had to run it. It was like Doom had won, but now he had to be in charge. It was a good book. Yeah, that didn't, good. that didn't hit for me the same way. I mean, for me, I think it's just a matter of like, there are, Daredevil. Some, there are some things for sh- yeah, Bringing light back to Daredevil? Great. It was yeah. very good. Uh, it got weird, though. That was where he was in like San Francisco. and mm-hmm. Anyway, I, and I think it's one of those things like, there's a few big stories, I think. I mean, Connor, your favorite you your favorite say. book being published right now. Yeah, World's Finest is terrific. Yeah, right. But this, so that's what I'm getting to. Like, there's a few big stories, and you can say, "Oh, this, this, this." I love them, but it's it, but it is a, there's a cumulative effect of he shows up and does some books sometimes, and he makes them great for a little while, and they're Captain almost America. to remember. That was Captain yeah. America, uh, born to born again. No, that's terrible. Uh, born to run. No, that's it's in the Springsteen. Born. No, but it's called something. Uh, he 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 saved Captain America from '90s obscurity, and so when he, you know, he does a lot of that stuff. He when showed he was up a and, werewolf. Well, they had killed him off because he wasn't cool enough for the '90s, and then he came back. So Wade and Sam Garney brought him back, and then Liefeld took him for Heroes Reborn, and they had to bring Wade and Garney back again. But, I mean, the '90s were so rad. He drank a lot of cool uh, cool sodas, and he had an arm. Operation Rebirth. 
I Operation really, Rebirth. Great, I great, really great comic. liked his run on Legion of Superheroes with Barry Kitson. Mm. And I think, honestly, like Barry Kitson's art sings on that book in a way that maybe even outshines Mark Wade's writing. But I think... Well, Barry his... Kitson was JLA year one. Terrific. Right, but this is post... Right, I'm just saying, he's a great artist. He's a great artist. He's is that, um, was that Wade or Busick? What? Year one, that's Wade. Wade. Uh, that's in my top three. I yeah, love it's it. great. It's a great book. But I really uh, he liked over his... JLA after Morrison. Tower of Babel. That was that, like the most famous he, story from there. He did a run uh, with on Fantastic Four with Mike Ringo. Yeah, that was a good run. Uh, before yeah, I think Ryan said that earlier. We mentioned yeah. that. There, we mentioned that. Yeah. It's endless. He, he yeah, so he, many good he, things. He's he's good. He's he's still really good. But I'm if, glad all but these if guys folks, in the '90s are getting the chance to come back and do great. If stuff. folks, ha- like, I feel like you know we've mentioned a lot of stuff that is top of mind. But if folks haven't checked out his Legion of Superheroes run, like it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> that's a good. That's a very it. good example. Then is it available anywhere? I'd read that. I don't think I ever did. What, am I some sort of available guy? I don't know. Yes, I'd like all information on everything we mentioned extemporaneously. Uh, Ryan, please read Kind of does. Which one? Eighteen. Ken O from Detroit, Michigan. Not sure if you guys are still all in on relationship questions, but if so, here goes. I've had one foot out the door Whoa. for a while now. <laughs> okay. It... But after almost 12 years, I need to break up with my local comic shop. Thank God that was that because I was... <laughs> it's been it's been a great shop with a great owner, but I've changed. It's not them, it's me. The spark isn't there anymore. My pull list has dwindled to just a handful of image books and weekly visits have become monthly visits as I feel like my time and money are better spent with Hoopla and the big two's all you can read apps. So any advice on how to break up the comic shop since they pre-order for me? Should I have the talk three months before I want to be out so they aren't stuck with extra books? Well, number one, yes. If you're gonna leave the shop, you gotta make it right with your accounts. So if you have them, if they're pre-ordering your books, you gotta cut it off, and then buy all the books that they've ordered for you. That's if you're gonna get into that system, you have to. You can't leave them in the lurch like that. My instinct was not to tell them that you're gonna read digitally. My instinct was to tell them that you're moving. No, my <laughs> instinct. My instinct was to tell them that, like, you you know. For whatever life reason, you know, we yes. we talked about like having kids and stuff like that, like say that just like I the weekly grind isn't where I'm at anymore and I've the library has the resources that I need so like it's not about not, see I wouldn't say that just like I, I think I'm that's way too much information just say I can't I'm not I, I just have to close my account I don't, well I, give your friends and your friendly or whatever I think and you have to give some sort of reason like why would we do it would just be like I just I just don't want to keep buying single issues anymore I'm just I, I, I can't keep up with it I don't want to I'm done with single issues I can get what I need from the library Again, you don't have to say that. Don't part. say that because you could get them from his his store. So make it to him. I don't know. Trust me, this is actually what I do for a living. Don't say that part. Well, I've, what I used to do for a living. I've never really had to break up with the comic store. Except I've for always last moved. One. I mean, the I've, move, moving is a great option. Well, Bergen so. Street Comics in Brooklyn was the only one I really broke up with because I was genuinely friends with the owner Tom, and hung out there. And I was moving to California, so Mike, my out was, fair. "Hey, I'm moving to Los Angeles. Sorry." I had and that's it. Other story. than that, I haven't made. I haven't really been friendly with any, you know, comic store people. So I never had to break up with anybody. I I actually said, and I literally kind of, I meant it was that like your shop's too far. I can't keep making this. Story. Well, that was the one in the valley, right? That was the Russian yeah, guy. Yeah, that was Deep Valley, and I'm still friends with that guy. Where was that I store? Just, Winnetka. 
Oh, fuck. It was Deep Valley. Why were you going to Winnetka? Because I went there because they had a thing and I liked him. He attracted me to his shop mm-hmm. over a long period of time and I liked going there. I, you know, it's, I didn't like going to Golden Apple. It was the same thing as like going to uh, Hanley's. There was no uh, discount or anything yeah. and just crazy. Golden Apple's like, a very still, different shop I'm, now, by the way. It's like I'm so still friends small. with James yeah. at Isotope. And but you never shopped there as your regular shop, did you? No, I mean, but I, I went there regularly. But like you you, James knew that I moved. Yeah. That's so. a, a moving is a valid excuse. Ken, tell him you're moving. Lie. You're going on a road trip with Mockingbird and Natasha Romanoff, and you're moving. Is it a be small a f- town? Guys. You can see him at the grocery store. Like <laughs> be the next a fun. Day. It'd be a fun road trip. I'm not saying. Oh yeah, it would. They're be. both very hot. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure there's no moonshine in that drink? I, I love that he just said the thing. It's like, hey, that's really... It was the subtext. He's subtext. Up. All right. So we, we, we all just said, just tell him you're moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, none of us are the guts to just say, oh, so I don't want to do this anymore. So is that our answer? We're moving? Yes, yes. we're moving. We're moving. <laughs> we're now, moving. Now it's my, favorite, going, it's my favorite time of the year, guys. Uh... Chris from the iFanboy Data Analytics Department has written in. Okay. Did, says, did Carol authorize this report? He said, Dear Connor and Josh, the iFanboy Analytics Department is once again pleased to present your annual patron power <laughs> report. As always, please feel free to include as much as little in the show as you want. Congratulations. Best wishes, Chris, Data Analytics Department. And it's great to see Chris back in the office. I went by the department the other day. I was walking down to legal, and I saw him down there working away on the report. Uh, so I'm very excited to check it out with you guys live on the show. So if you're on the screen, if you're live, you can see this. If if you want to go back on uh, YouTube, you'll be able to see. I this see that I report. wasn't copied on this report. Well, you're not. A, you know, you're not an owner. Nor was I. No, you are I'm here though. It says oh. your name right here, Jay. I know. Compiled for Mister CS Kilpatrick and Mister Jay. That come, into, that come into contact. It came but, into contact at fanboy. Uh, Doctor Ryan Halp was kind of left off. So all right, so. Patron powers. These figures relate to a fanboy shows released thir- 3 October 2021 to 2 October 2022. This is year six of the patron powers program, guys. Wow. Changes to the program in this year include a, re- a reduction in the number of powers bestowed from four per show to two per show from episode 803 and two powers per show to one power per show in episode 80- 841. Total number of powers bestowed in this year, 103. This compares to 60, 164 in 2002, 2021. Josh gave up 45 powers as compared to 78 in the previous year. Connor hmm. gave up 43 as compared to 76. Ryan helped give out 13 compared to five. And Jim Viscardi gave out two compared to two. So Jim is always giving out two. Interesting. Total all-time powers bestowed. Josh, you've given out 434 powers. I'm the guy who shows up. I gave up 428. Josh and I together gave out one. Ron, 81. Ryan Haupt, 54. Jim Viscardi, 12. Paul Montgomery, 7. Jim Machkowski, 2. And the eccentric benefactor, Damian Sherman, gave out 2 as well. And the 1,000th power was bestowed by Connor on patron Charlie Charles Rose. Not Charlie Rose. Charles Rose on June 26, 2022. Superhero names. The enthusiasm for bestowing superhero names at the same, as the, at the same time as the power continues with 20 names being bestowed in the previous year compared to 22 in the year before. Uh, power types, most favored power types in the last year since episode 800. 
fifth, number five, is powers of transformation. Four powers bestowed. Craig Smith uh, can convert any bio, bio, non-biodegradable garbage into delicious Skittles. That was Josh. Alex Manfield, when he sings karaoke, transformed to the actual singer. That was Connor. Jake can produce any plumage required on, on request. Also me. That's strange. Brian Rosenberg has the power of a giant worm. He can transform into a giant worm and burrow into the ground, aerating the soil as it goes. That was stuff I me as well. Um, Thank you for putting in the biological benefits. <laughs> I think this is meant to be. I think this is meant to be fourth. I, I fourth can't believe I said anything about turning into skittles. <laughs> no, I don't remember any of these. Fourth vision-based powers. Five bestowed. Uh, no rest holds was corrects the vision of any person standing with twenty-foot radius. That was Josh. Uh, Dom Dom Prosser can make other people believe that they have seen a ghost. The ghosts are fake, but he can <laughs> control what the ghost doers say. That was Josh. <laughs> Raul Peterson, left eye can turn into a telescope and right eye can turn into a microscope. Both eyes together as binoculars. That was Ryan. Very, very smart. I really like the modularity of that. Greg Reinhardt uh, can go can see in telescopic microscopic vision, but to do so, a st- steampunk-like attachment magically appears on his face with appropriate wow. lenses, which extend to retract with a whirring and clicking sound and a puff of steam. That was me. R- Rama uh, Puramal, respectful of non-intrusive x-ray vision, still useful, but it's the non-pervy Safe for the workplace kind. <laughs> Won't work in a bathroom or else undergarments, so it was Josh. And number three, animal-related powers. Five bestowed. Owen McNestry can harness any power of identical animals to tow him around. That was Josh. Uh, Caleb McKee can command ugly animals. Animals that are ugly in the eyes of their own species. <laughs> also, Josh, Luke C.J. Smith has the <laughs> magical email carrier pigeon, which appears on the computer tablet or phone as the instant he clicks send to, to take a physical manifestation of any email by air to whoever it is addressed to in the entire world. The pigeon is not as fast as digital email, however, but it's faster than a regular bird. You know, <laughs> a t- tiny bird for text messages. That was me. Was I on drugs? I loved oh. I thought we were getting really boring as I read through this. I was like, no, we're amazing. William White has complete control over bowel bacteria. He's Aquaman for gut flora. He can make them work for or against the host. That was me. Peter Compton has a pet mind-controlled rat which can jump into someone's head to remote control their actions. That was Ryan. I remember that one. Hell yeah. That was, that was awesome like power. Ratatouille. Second uh, was language-based powers. That was six of those. Richard uh, Long Long can make anyone within the sphere of influence use the correct word. That was Ryan. Old man Tony can speak any language but only use one at a time and only for 24 hours. If he needs to speak Russian, he can only speak Russian for 24 hours. That was Josh. Charles Phillips can understand the language of babies. That was me. Jason Fisher can understand any language on earth as long as he sings it. That was Josh. Joe Bowen can uh, emulate people who use puns or wordplay. That was Josh. I remember that one. Comic addiction can create real world subtitles for mumbled conversations or loud environments. That was me. And the number one power, this is not a surprise, is food-based power. Yeah. Seven powers bestowed. Darren Jackson... When he activates his power, an oven appears in his abdomen. He opens up the door in his abs to reveal an infinite quantity of croissants. That was me. What? <laughs> uh, Pete Doherty can eat anything. He's like matter eater lad. That's Josh. Uh, Joe Christensen can both produce incredible salsa and dance an amazing salsa dance. He doesn't say who that is, but that's great. I can't uh, tell from that who said that. Darren, Daniel Phillips feels like a Ryan power. Kind of, because it's the making of salsa. Yeah, that I think that's what I feel like is Ryan. I don't think I gave a salsa power. All right. 
Daniel, it could have been anybody. Daniel Phillips can manifest cupcakes at any given moment. These can be devoured or fired from his hands. I can tell. Sometimes, you, wait, did you say? Sometimes. Is this Joe Christensen can both produce incredible salsa and dance an amazing salsa dance? Yes. Yeah, that was you. That was me. Yeah, the salsa king. All right, I didn't. I don't remember any of these. That's why they By get the, way, they up getting the first line of can manifest cupcakes, and it's like Connor. <laughs> I had cupcakes yesterday. They were great. Uh, these can be devoured or fired from his hands, machine gun style. The offensive quality of cake is more due to the indignity being hit in the face with one rather than destructive effect. Logan Jacobs can generate any type of grain from his hands. That part sounds like me, by the way. No, master of grain cookery. That is Ryan. That was me. No, no, no. no was, the was the offensive quality of the cake. That sounds <laughs> I was super, like me. I was super pleased with my grain power. I've been into uh, grains lately. Jim Hearn can create and stuff good. anything with delicious caramel. That was me and... <laughs> Jimmy Heating buys regular pistachios with the shells on, and his power is to remove the shells. This power only works on pistachios. It's highly nut specific. That's Jim Viscardi. And is that it? That's the power. That's the power report. That's the power report. So thank you, Chris, and the data analytics department for compiling that. Chris does it for us every year, and we appreciate it. Now that's a great segue to doing the patron powers segment of this episode. And that means, ju- so we'll explain what that means. If you're a patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy and you give it the $5 or higher level, you get a patron power live on the show. Both Josh and Ryan did not know we were doing this on the show. And so they did not prepare ahead of time. I didn't and say that. Josh, I just Josh, wanted to make sure it was there. Josh makes it sound like here. we prepare when we do know, which is also not really. Oh, I do. I, I can't leave that to chance. If I don't prepare, it's an accident. But like I did too many unprepared. And so now I prepare. Josh, what, your, what, is, what does your preparation tell you about Jeremy Gillis? Le- it leads to that I don't know where I am in the script and it's hard to find. What is Jeremy, uh, Gillis, uh, Jeremy Gillis. Jeremy Gillis uh, has the power to prove anybody wrong. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're right or not. He has the ability to prove them wrong. Man, uh, it's quite magical. What, so what happened you, in your life that, that you wanted this? Uh, I was on a show with you and, uh, and Connor. <laughs> it, it, basically, anybody who had to spend any time with any of the three of us would have to use this all the time because it doesn't matter how right the person is. It's that you don't want to. You just want to prove them wrong. And, and, and he can do that, Jeremy. Prove Which, by the way, wrong. goes in complete contrast. We were given relationship advice earlier. You don't, don't do, this, don't do this that in a, a relationship. This is a bad power for a marriage. Yeah. Because even because even if you prove them wrong, they're not gonna be happy about it. No, no, no. Take take the L. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alex Waller has a magical net. And Alex Waller's um superhero name is Atharaya, which is a, a type of throwing net that I learned to use um when I was living in Central America. He's a magical net that he can throw over anything and capture it. Anything. Anything. Like, you want a blue whale. Does he, wait, does he also have a trident? Because I he feel can, like you need those two things. No, I already gave a similar power and never got mad at me. But um, <laughs> No, you, you gave Aquaman, someone Aquaman's power. Well, I'm not doing power. Aquaman's power. This is the Atharaya. He's a magical net thrower. So like he could be in a crosswalk and a car could be coming at him. And it's it's coming way too fast. He could be like, Atharaya! And he throws the net and he captures the car. And now the car is like in a net over his shoulder and he can walk does across the crosswalk. the car change safely. physically in some way to make that possible? Or is he just... I think he just... He he magically it's a magical net so like he has the strength needed is it, to is it transformers animation physics 
what however big that thing needs to be for this part. The, net, the next that band. Big. Yes. Like no, but the robots would actually be bigger net. or smaller depending on what did you needed them. The to net be. is what expands to be bigger or smaller, yeah. but it, it the net is able to somehow carry the weight such that it's always something that Alex can sling over there. his shoulder. That works. And but it's like it's one thing at a time. Like once he lets the the the, the you know, the he dump can't truck. do a group of smaller things like 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 a netting a bunch of fish. If well, but that's the whole thing with that Athraya. Like it's you know you use the Athraya for catching the bait fish that you're going to use to catch the larger fish. So like if there's a group of a school, if you will, El Pescadore. Pro- prove me wrong. Flanagan. <laughs> um, <laughs> if there's a school of fish that he can throw it over, like it's a really it, it, used properly. It's a really beautiful technique that you throw the net and it like spreads out into this perfect circle and then it like droops down and picks up everything you need so yeah uh it's a, it's a really amazing power joseph out there. joseph trahan's uh superhero name is flashbang he's a human flashbang grenade so he can explode his body very bright light very loud noise it disseminates his molecules all over the place they have to come back together it takes a while so he's back in human form, but he can explode. So he can't escape if he's made the flashbang and then run because he's still no, there because he's now he's the, he's the flashbang. You would take his legs and toss him into the house. He would explode. And then thus wait, being, uh, yes, you he could come apart. You could throw his legs. No, no I'm saying is you have if you had to throw him like a grenade. Oh, I see. So you're you're, legs you're, and, you're you are you are a strong lad yourself or hefting him by somebody. The somebody's tossing him. him. Okay, okay. And uh, he explodes like a flashbang grenade. and But it takes All a right. while for him to reconstitute. Before All he... right, let's say that they're in a hallway fight. Sure. Which, which by the way, uh, anyway, we'll talk about that a different time. So you're in a hallway flight, and you send Joe, Joey Trahan up to yeah. the front. And yep. he's, got his, he's got his guys behind him, his crew are behind him. Now, he blows, and they can get away. He's stuck there. However... Josh, mm-hmm. please don't say the patrons blow. However, if he gets shot prior to blowing, does he die? I mean, do- oh, interesting. You know so what I'm you're saying is he's got a bullet in him, but he blows up, so the bullet drops to the ground because his body's body has right. constituted. Yeah, but prior to doing that, I think I think he can survive the bullet because he his body is now gone is now just Adam. So you're saying that then 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 what you're saying is something else can. Activate the flashbang, and it's not. No, no, he activates it. Mind. I mean, I think he, it. He activates it, but the the act of activating it turns his body, his atoms, so the bullet falls to the ground. Yes, I'm saying, but I'm saying he shot before he thinks to activate it. I think it depends on whether or not he's on a road trip with Bobby and Tasha. <laughs> oh, he's he's gonna blow. <laughs> he's gonna blow a, a huge moth in here. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Thanks for being patrons, Jeremy, Alex, and Joseph. And so now let's talk about that really quickly. Uh, over the past few years, the patrons have al- unlocked the patron pick, the talk explodes, the book explodes, the media explodes, and the YouTube video content for everyone to enjoy, as well as they get their monthly patron hangouts. Patrons also enjoy the iFanboy patron Facebook group, which I assume is still a thing, and the iFanboy patron Discord server, both fun communities in which uh, Josh and I will, and Ryan, Ryan just today, will make an appearance in the Discord community. And we really do thank everyone who's a patron. It's It's not a great time, or it's a great time in the world, depending on who you are and what your job is, but we realize it's it's hard out there. It's hard for everyone, and we appreciate any support anyone can give us. It doesn't have to be the $5 or higher level. It could be at the $1 level. 
it helps pay the bills. It helps keep the show going. Helps uh, reward our time that we spend reading the books, being away from our family, producing these shows, spending three hours on a Friday night. Um, and so we do appreciate that for everyone. We have many stretch goals. Uh, technically speaking, our next stretch goal is adding comic book television coverage to our podcast. Someone just asked today if we were going to be covering uh, Werewolf by Night, but we are not because it's not. We didn't hit the stretch goal. We are. Josh is fight, literally fighting a moth in his room. Uh, did you get it? Yeah, I did. It was kind of driving me crazy. It was huge. Um, I actually had. I actually was. We're gonna. We're gonna fix the stretch goals. Uh, I actually was thinking about doing that today, but it ran out of time. So we're we're going to do that. We just got waylaid by by some things that happened, but we do appreciate everyone's a patron. We couldn't do it without you, and and we know it's it's not an easy thing sometimes. And we, we thank you very much. Fanboy.threadless.com is where our T-shirts are. I'm wearing one of mine now in the show. We have 12 designs. I found my logo. Herm. Pick of the week podcast ratings. If one is a lecture of GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Stay home and read comics. Power and responsibility. Clint is dead on Josh's skateboard he's holding up. Uh, I love right? comics and the gosh. That looks awesome. And the gosh design. We ha- we're actually talking about three separate designs right, right now. Skateboard's supposed to have wheels? It's a, it's, it's a deck. Uh, I'm unemployed. I can't afford those things <laughs> now. I'll wheels. put them on them later. Um we have three designs we're talking about right now. Well, hopefully, we get this out by the end of the year. Although we're rapidly getting, the, how did it? Be, how is it October? <sighs> anyway, well, September happened, and then fanboyatheros.com. That's awesome going. as well. Fanboy.com/support is our digital uh, tip jar via PayPal. If you want to just throw a couple bucks in there, don't want to be a patron, we appreciate that. If you're an eccentric billionaire, like the question earlier, and you want to throw ten million or even ten billion dollars in there, like the question asked, well, we can talk to you. Our, our new accountant was it Kyle? Um, I found what.com slash Amazon is where you can find Ryan, links to our Ryan, 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 R, I Ryan, Ryan R. It was a long time ago. I'll handle the accounting. If you just, yeah, send me the $10 million check. <laughs> Ryan R. <laughs> Ryan R. Number four. I'll take care Ryan. of it. Links to buy the books on Booksplode and our general shopping link. I found what.com slash Amazon. And finally, we, we partnership with bookshop.org. Uh, this, that's an uh, organization that helps lets you buy books. And in doing so, you help local bookstores. I use it all the time. You can designate your money to go to a specific store or just to a general fund. It's a great organization, and you can find sometimes our website links from bookshop.org. And we appreciate everyone helped support the show. We've been doing this a long time, and uh, and we could not do without you. So thank you. Let's do uh, – we'll do question 22 from Mark the Dentist. He gave himself a nickname. From did we give England. him that nickname? No, he wrote it. Well, that's true. I know, but we know. yeah, could have been a power. The His dentist question, definitely I'm, sounds like an evil person. By the way, I've been thinking about this for close to thirty years. When these kind of questions were the norm, if Wolverine was cut in half down to the atomic level whilst straddling the equator, and then each half instantly transported to opposite poles of the Earth, encased in a sterile adamantium box, would Logan die, or would there be two of him? Me. Die. I think I think it's been well no, established. There would, no, there'd be no, it's been well established that like if you suffocate Wait. Wolverine, he doesn't come back from that. No, Wait. no he's not been... Oh, you're talking well, about the boxes having no air in them. They sealed. Uh, I think that he says sterile. sterile, meaning that there's nothing getting uh, Yeah, I don't okay, think it's okay. sealed though. Wait, so let's forget that part. Can't be sterile, the question for me sealed. is if Wolverine is cut in two pieces, what happens normally? That's that is to me an interesting question. Normally, I, th- I, I do think not. It's, it's the, the part with the brain grows, like the I legs. I think that's 
And That's the legs correct. Are, the legs so are then, closed. so then you've got a wolf. So then you have a Wolverine. But hold on. Wait, no, wait, wait. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. You've got a Wolverine then, whose top half has adamantium encased bones, and whose bottom half is just regular bones. Well, well that's is, what I'm saying is if he grows new legs, those new legs aren't encased in adamantium. Hold on, hold on, take it back a step further, and this is why we've never seen this situation. The adamantium is unbreakable, so therefore, no, you could still get, you could still get has in it between. Ever the, happened? It's we don't, we do not know the details between, of said lacing. Age of apocalypse, age of apocalypse. Cyclops was able to shoot off his hand because it got in between the joints of the the wrist bone. It's 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 canonical in a story that never happened. So when you say lacing, though, is that are you saying that only the bone itself is encased? It's not the joints. His wrist. Well, how do you know they didn't put like a flexible mesh of some the, kind of adamantium around that? The part. stuff that's in between his spinal done. column is not bone. He, they, you just cut between those, and you. That's that. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know what? But if I'm designing this system, I'm going to want to put some down his spinal cord. The but thing. Bend. The thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, with in regards to Wolverine, and this is, I'm not even kidding. I've been thinking about this a lot. I don't like. When you look at the animal kingdom, and I, I promise I'm not going down like a science rabbit hole, but like when you look at the animal kingdom, animals that have claws. You made a promise like Ike Turner does to Tina. I won't do it again. Their claws aren't bone. So the whole idea that like when Wolverine loses his adamantium, he still has like bone claws that come out of his knuckles. That's nonsense because no animal out there other well, than yes. like. There's a, there's a species of frog that erupts its ribs out of its own rib cage to prevent it from being swallowed. That's the closest animal equivalent. But like okay. it's not it's not about it's, slashing it's comic things book stuff. No, 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 no. Does a mutant power have to be biological in nature and the answer is no. No. I agree, half, but I just think that I think half that the mutants have purple energy power. No, but I think like the idea that Wolverine has adamantium claws as Built by Weapon X, that works. The idea that you take away the claws and he's still got claws that are bone somehow, and those claws still work in the same way, even roughly, is not. Wouldn't that just be part of his body? I don't like it. So I I don't like it either, but. I feel like Josh and I have the same answer, which is the top part would grow back, the bottom part would be toast. Mm hmm. It, the, it, but it is a really interesting question about what happens. Also, he's leaving a shit ton of valuable adamantium around. Sure. All right. So the second question that Mark has is specifically for Ryan, although we can all. Ooh, ooh, I'm sorry. One more bit. Now, yeah. if you took both of those, if you still had both halves and you squished them together, would they then regrow themselves? They grow back together. If if it, there hadn't been significant deterioration by, like rotting. What if what if you took the Wolverine that grew back, and then you took the other legs and stuck them to the back? Would you then have four legs? I don't think so. I but want like that story at Krakoa. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And second then, question is: I've been then, thinking about. Then you'd have sex with someone. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for probably ten years, and don't know where else to look. And think Ryan may have the best hope for an answer. If Thanos, if in the movies Thanos killed half of all living beings in the universe with his snap, as I believe his goal was in the comics as well, what are the chances even a single human would be affected? Never mind a noticeable percentage. Even if he just did Earth, would we know? Anyone that got vanished, just including the insects, the number of humans is insignificant. And that I've not seen the movie, so no idea if it's been answered. I figured it was half of all kinds of species. Yeah, I think, right. it's, I think it's every group gets half. Yeah, like each yeah. species half gets half the ants, half, half the lions, half the humans. I, I think I think you're both correct. 
So, but even still, if, if we take it as like all life on Earth and then we remove half and it's not like grouped by category, what are the chances that even a single human would be affected? I don't know, approaching 100%. Like, it's, it's inconceivable. There are so many humans on the planet relative to other species. The, the species that would be, or the groups of animals that would be most affected if you did a, a one-half culling of organisms that live on planet Earth, it would, be, it would mostly affect humans, cows, chickens, and ants. Those would be your groups. Interesting. If you're looking at just like terrestrial, I don't, I don't Here's know the question as well. How far down does the snap go? Biologically speaking, is it half of all mm. single celled organisms? That, that could fuck up everybody who's still left. Right. So, so, so what you're like, saying, Josh, is that bacteria, like, right. Josh Flanagan survives the blip, but his gut microbiome is reduced by half. So you can't digest anything. And then you die from starvation. <laughs> like, this didn't is think this saying. through is what's, what we're finding out. I, like I think, I mean, the the thing that killed okay so first of all i believe that was his goal in the comics it wasn't his goal in the comics is to appease the death. personification of death he was in love and he wanted to bang he was in love with death and my my wife and i were literally talking death about this earlier this week no she doesn't that's thanos's whole problem it's a good point it's a good point thanos not is him. a per- He's a purple man with blue balls he like she's down but not with him mm, yeah no i don't think she does at all she doesn't that that chin thing she doesn't like it I so, like that there's no way, there's no, there's no supporting arguments for this. But there's also... The, the, That's our the, whole gig, man. The whole <laughs> idea with Thanos in the movies, and MCU Thanos, is like, the universe doesn't have enough resources, so I have to kill half the universe. But if you have that amount of power, you could just also double the amount of resources. You just, you, you just said something that made, it, that made me think of something interesting. Why has there never been a, other than the obvious problems... Thanos Razagul team up story where Thanos can finally. Josh is taking the elevator in mime class. I'm, t- I'm going to the standing desk option. Josh, uh, Thanos can finally get his. No, no, Raz can finally get his wish through Thanos to ra- eradicate half. I actually uh, don't know that Raz would have a lot of patience for Thanos's bullshit. That's why the story, that's where the tension in the story is. Let's, okay. we, got, we have to move on. This is a good question. Uh, Josh224. He's standing. My my, he e- my ear pods are going to die, so I have to switch to it. That's one. why I did the I'll cans. Do, I did I the can show do cans. 24. I'll 24 do says John V of Brooklyn, New York. Hey. Who has, access, who has hey. amazing pizza right now. You and need, if my you, power was to switch places, I've been in a real New York City pizza. You, you got the D net. Hey, I'm oh. Brooklyn. Hey. Bada bing. When you said every movie is a superhero movie, eh. No. If you said, ugh. When people said every movie is a superhero movie, I said, I'm sorry, I have to do this in the accent. I don't know how not to. Oh, don't hate the player. Hate the corporate financialized game. But after 10 plus cumulative hours of thinking, I realized superheroes did the same thing to comics. Ooh, they're an invasive species. Is there something intrinsically insidious about the superhero genre that it spreads like sea urchins across a medium? Also, Marvel has indoctrinated civilians into a lot of genre tropes. Continuity, crossover events, stories written by to accommodate a character IP transfer, and hyperactive postmodern self-reflection. None of this sounds like the Brooklyn guy. <laughs> uh, any other genre tropes you see migrating? My money is on selling increasingly expensive products to a stagnant aging fan base. Well, the first question is really can I, wait, interesting. Can I speak to sea urchins? 
Sure. Quickly. The reason sea urchins are spreading uncontrollably is because uh, orca populations have been in decline due to overfishing of wild salmon resources. Uh. And so without salmon to feed on, Orcas then start going after sea otters, this is which not are prolific the, this is not the downer consumers show. of sea urchins to the point where their teeth turn purple. So when orcas start feeding on sea urchins, the sea urchin population, or when orcas start feeding on sea otters, the urchin population explodes, which ruins the kelp forest for the rest of the ecosystem. Can I tell um, you? Can I tell you something about that? It made me happy that you said that that the fish were disappearing because of overfishing and not killing them by plastic. That was the positive message I took the, out of the, that. But like, the oh, problem is, is is orca need food, and if they don't have salmon, they go after the otters, and the otters I can't know. then keep the sea I'm just saying we ate too many fish. We didn't poison all the fish. <sighs> that just, made me feel better. Is saying, there something intrinsically insidious about the superhero genre that spreads like sea urchins? Yeah, the ur- and the answer is it is a power fantasy, and we all feel powerless on this little spinny globe flying through the space. And it, it, it it's it's a fun fantasy. Also, if it's the thing people are buying, they're going to make more of them. Like we sell more superhero comics than anything else. Cut out little Abner. That's that's his point. It happened in comics. It's happening in movies now. Yeah. So like it is just it's a spectacle, especially on the on the screen. Something it's something previously to two thousand eight you hadn't really seen before in that kind of way on the screen. So it was a new thing for people who hadn't seen Iron Man blow shit up on a screen into that scale. But in general, comic books are a pretty potent power fantasy. And urchin, in the urchin end, fantasy. And in the end, good wins over evil and all these things that don't happen in the world happen in comics and No, I, th- I think it. I think I think Connor, that's like you're kind of tacking it on as an addendum, but I think the idea that like the good guy wins is a really potent part of the superhero mythos that is part of the reason people plug into it in the way that they do. I have another one. Mm -hmm. Superheroes until recently only worked in a comic book format. They were designed. They worked in animation. Yeah, but for the, okay, that's, that's sort of true, but almost like animation is like an offshoot of comics in that, in that one way. Yeah, I, I agree. In that it just like visually the way that they're designed is meant to jump off a page is meant to convey something without saying it necessarily. We were not in a position to do, you know, live action superheroes until much more recently to have them work at all. They're just, they're part of that, that medium, uh, you know, the, the subject of that medium is just baked into what a superhero is. Well, and, and, you know, you look at, okay, so, you know, I, uh, superhero movies have been popular for a long time. You know, we've got the 1960s Batman, the 1970s Superman, the 80s Batman, the 90s, you know, you got Blade and the, the uh, first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. But like, if we look at the, the the sort of birth of the modern era of superhero movies, it's Iron Man 2008. And you look at that movie, like... The, well, the no, effect, it's 2000. It's X-Men 2000. X-Men 2000. I actually, I disagree. I think it's, I think, I still think it's Iron Man, but... Be it, it levels up there. into a different stratosphere with Iron Man, but yeah. it starts with... It, Iron Man doesn't happen if X-Men doesn't happen. But if, I think... If, if like, Iron Man is Nirvana, then, uh, uh, then the 2000s X-Men is like the Pixies or Black Flag. But you look at those, you look at those X-Men movies... They're they're barely action movies. <laughs> like they're pretty. No, but it, it doesn't matter really. It's it's the it's the idea of everyone, not just people who are into it, going to pay money to go see 
the X Men and Wolver- a guy named Wolverine and a guy named Cyclops. Large, but, the, but the but the point the point that I think Josh large was cultural to make, acceptance of go ahead. But but the point that I think Josh was trying to make is that like if you look at the Iron Man movie, that's sort of where, t- in, in my opinion, um, the the special effects sort of met the moment where like okay mm-hmm. now this this guy it actually looks like this guy is in the suit flying around and oh, if yeah. you look if you look we, at those we movies do it before. yeah if you look at those movies relative to what you see in uh Infinity War and Endgame every time Tony Stark is in the suit like if it's if you see Robert Downey Jr's face it'll then like he flies off screen and then Iron Man flies back on screen because like they have to cut away from RDJ to like a, a digital double and they have to they can't do that on screen because the graphics weren't good enough. And then by the time you get to like Infinity War, he's tapping his chest and the whole suit is like appearing over him in real time. So I, I think there's like an effects I think there is like a visual effects thing that happens that makes the superhero story more palatable in a visual real time media that was like more and possible I, to do earlier in comics that like the films had to catch up to. Yeah. But at the same time, X-Men and Spider-Man, those movies did that. They made superheroes acceptable to the masses in a way that never had before. And they bought it. And when it was on screen, whether it got better later or not, but it's when people, but at the end of the day, that. the question is, is why is, is the superhero. You just said that like Stan Lee. Why is he having a, why does superhero have a stranglehold over the culture now? And that, my my argument is because the the effects caught up. But there's plenty of effects movies. No, that's interesting though. Is that you're saying that? But you're saying the believability of these beings who have superpowers is appealing to everybody. It's just that only comic people thought that before because they were the only ones really experiencing them. That's my. And that's, that's everybody that's, was able to accept but, but, the superhero. Then they. I'm putting that out there as an argument. I'm not claiming that's the only reason. I'm not even sure. saying that that's necessarily what I believe. I'm just saying that's that's a component of the transition. I think. If we're going to look at it, from I a, think, I, and I'll stop, we'll move along. But I think I if you're going to look at it as a socio cultural situation, superheroes uh, came about during a time of great unrest and technical change in the world. It was during the Depression, it was around, you know, the people who were uh, the beginning portions of World War II throughout it. People needed that thing, which is what Connor was saying. Now, as we're talking about the whole world getting into it, well, what has happened since 2000, 2001? Everything's it's, gone it's, great. Well, but I'm saying it's that same sense of generalized anxiety and the hope that somebody will come save us, but at an even greater scale, which was where why it worked and and grew up in the comics at that time. There's an inherent feeling of comfort in that that someone's going to swoop down and save you. Or that there's just good hope. that there's good people, people who have power and are using it for the right thing, and that's going to help you live your life. Ryan, twenty five. Elon P from South Africa. South Africa. I don't know if Can't I, I, I presume Elon has diplomatic immunity. Uh, diplomatic so. immunity. I can't. I can't do that. I've never been able immunity. to do that accent. It's. It's, a, it's just. It's just Dave Matthews, right? I can't. Come on. I presume Elon P wakes up. We have. We, we're running out of time. We got. We got emails. Let's go. So since COVID started, I've been rereading some of my favorite complete comic book runs. And having just finished my fourth reread of Sandman, and I have to ask, why don't they make comics like these anymore? I mean, Sandman is hard to match, but why does it feel like there hasn't been this sort of major, lengthy, medium, refining comic book series 
since the early days of Saga, or am I just old and is there just nothing out there right now to fill the hole left behind by the likes of Sandman Preacher or even My Last Man? I have or, an answer. Or more succinctly, does someone really need to bring Vertigo back? Josh, Flanagan? There's not enough people buying the books. People are not interested. What? People who are left writing, reading comics are not buying those in nearly the quantity that they did uh, in, in their heyday. And Image made a run at capturing that, and they kind of did, but that demand also fell off. And so now you're talking about funding top-quality people on a very long run of something that's going to be selling five to 10,000 copies, and it doesn't work. Is, what's the cutoff? Is it 30,000? Because I mean, It like, depends. It's changed a lot. I mean, I, well, I feel like, I feel like when, when you guys started the show, which I was a listener to in those early days, even if I wasn't on it, you know, there were books that still hit the 100,000 mark occasionally, like Civil War number mm-hmm. one, right? The cutoff at, the cutoff at Marvel. Oh, hold on. Hold on. We're way off base here. Yeah, yeah. Comic sales are way up. Let's just be clear. Absolutely. They're selling more than ever. Comics, this is, this is not a discussion about comics dying. It's a question of why aren't these specific books being done anymore, these kind of books. I don't the, think that the audience. is not dying. No, no, I, but I don't think the audience for those books that buy comic books is buying them. They, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they aged out or whatever, but there's other stuff like that. There's stuff coming out everywhere. That could have fit in a vertigo. Maybe it's not as good, you know, specifically, but they just don't get those audiences. And I think part of that has to do with, you know, the people who are in comics now have, are the ones who are mostly entrenched in superheroes. Um, and they just, it, it, they're, they're not think, catching on. I think it's a combination of uh, consolidated corporate ownership. The deals aren't there yeah. anymore. Yep. G- G- Neil Gaiman got to keep ownership, uh, a, a, a partial ownership of Sandman, which doesn't happen anymore. I think that. Uh, Warner Brothers taking a harder hand at DC and Disney owning Marvel changes the game for those kind of books. I think that also those ideas now get taken to other medium media where good answer ownership can be kept. I also think we're talking about really long runs, and so like I think you know we when we do the show, you know, I, I'm not on every week, but I'm on often enough that like, there's a fair number of indie books where we're like, well, check out a number one and like number two, maybe never arrives or, or like, even if you get a six issue, five issue run enough to make a trade and maybe sell it to a Netflix or a Hulu or whatever. But like, we're not getting, we're not getting those 60 issue runs anymore. No, but, but also like in terms of like individual comic book sales aren't super high. I mean, you're still talking about the best books being probably still under a hundred thousand. Uh, uh, the threshold for a book surviving now is much lower than it would have been. I'd say when we started, threshold for a book surviving is between thirty and forty thousand. Now, if you've got a book that's selling ten or fifteen thousand, it can keep living. It's just that for the kinds of stuff we're talking about, you've got a company who's willing to make an investment in it because enough people are going to buy it, and there are not enough people to buy that anymore. Who want that product for whatever it reason? It is interesting that the because the if the audience was still there, there, if the if the audience was audience was still there for that, they would have gotten that out of Image Books. And then the other thing is that, but the other thing is this: is that Image Books don't come out on time, and so you don't get to you know, like for the most part, these kind of long things do do not stay on schedule, so that's it's not as point. reliable. That's a really, gonna, I mean, that's a really good point. Which is what which is has to do with backing money, financial backing. They, I'm a, uh, yeah, because at, at Vertigo you got a page rate. Um, it, there's also the possibility. I, I haven't thought this through a lot. Is that 
the whole experience is different. And when Sandman came out, comics were still pretty underground. Tell you what. And the, so it attracted those kind of people. Now right. comics are, at least the notion of comics are mainstream. People aren't buying them, but they, they're aware they exist. And these things lead to films and TV shows at infinitum. There's a hundred of them. But in the, in the 80s, when Neil Gaiman was doing Sandman, it was to well, stories for people who specifically sought them out. And it, it wasn't a mainstream situation. It was the it only was stories you could get type. like that. You yeah. didn't have niche television back then. It didn't exist. Right. So if you wanted stories like that, this is one of the only places to get it outside of novels. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember, like, I, I'm not trying to, I know we need to move on, but, like, I remember when Brian K. Vaughan hit the scene with Why the Last Man, and then he announced things like Pride of Baghdad, and there was hype around, like, a one-off graphic novel Mm-hmm. About it's a the, it's a different market now. Early days right. of the Iraq the, the, War, but then everyone got but then everyone got super excited about him moving into television, and he was like a co-writer and lost, and like it was just yeah, it was you right. went from it was a different market. It was a different world. The other thing, creators don't sell books anymore. At yeah. least not like that. I mean, Jim Lee sells a cover or whatever, but no no comic book writer is a guarantee of a hundred thousand uh, issues sold at all. Yeah. The, the 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 market has changed dramatically in the last also five or eight years and since we it's just one more strange. bit if you look at like long runs are not favored anymore for all sorts of reasons mostly being the trade book collection which is ironic because the kind of books we're talking about created the trade books you know true like you know they they cut them up into this issues and then eventually they defined it as like no we make all the stories you're right this long. You're totally no, maybe right. it was it was why it was Sandman, it was Fables, preacher. it was all those all preacher. It was all those books that created the trade market. Well, like really, really popularized it. Now they don't which, want which ruined long form comics stories. Uh, Josh do twenty seven. Twenty seven, my favorite number. Greg B of Oakland, California says, "Which run would you want back?" For instance, I wish Rick Remender would write Uncanny X Force again. Is there a writer artist team that you could that you wish you could bring back? I've been thinking about this for three weeks. Is there a writer or artist or team that you would bring back? So you know, pick it up. If you just want to say the writer, if you want to say the art team, whatever. I mean, we talked we talked about this recently on the show. I would love for Greg Rucker to come back in a big way for on almost anything. I'd love to see him on Batman. I'd love to see him do Queen of Country again. Uh, You pick a book he's done. I mean. He's doing Lazarus. He's doing his movie again. This is related to the last question. He's mm-hmm. he's off screenwriting. He's not Brad, writing his his epic story. Brad Garver Lazarus. said. Brad Garver said Gotham Central, and I was like, Oh yeah, yes. I, dude, yeah. I would be so into a revamp of Gotham Central. I, would, I think I Gotham would, Central would be more popular now than it was when it came out. I would legit love a revamp of Gotham Central. Like, I think that would be a book. A, I think it would be a hit. You know, with the. I don't know if you guys are listening to podcasts anymore. There's this thing called podcasts. It's like it's like radio, but it's on the internet. Um, Serial made it really popular. Adnan Syed is, is out of jail now, so that's good. But um, turns out murder is something that people are into. And I think a Gotham Central book would be very popular. I think it'd be more. I mean, I think it'd be more popular now. You'd never get Brubaker would never come back for it because he's making more money now than ever on his right. But OGMs. that's the thing. Like, who could you have? do this and like that would be great if you could like if you could put a thing like i was gonna say i was like literally i was gonna say detective with uh rocket and sean martin burrow i was like i was like that's exactly what i say but they said gotham central like yes if you could put all those people back in gotham with michael lark 
you know, and Brubaker and Rucka doing stories, like if that was what you could magic wand it, I'd totally do that. Sure. There's a ton of Brian, them. Brian in the chat yeah. said Ellison cast on Planetary. I actually think the book ended. Planetary had such a long a good point. gap between its sort of I don't know, denouement and then conclusion. I gotta say, I think that this question really feels like it has to refer to something or mostly where it, that felt too short, like it ended too yeah, early. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Whereas Planetary, like, it, it, it had a huge gap, but I think it came back and it actually finished It finished. It ended I'd say, I mean, so more specifically, if we're talking about Ellis, I'd say, you know, Ellis and Hitch on the authority. No, that. you know what? You know what? You know what? Fell. I never liked it that much. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, Josh. I'm a big fan. This next question I'm very excited about. This is another Greg. Greg M. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Josh, say something genuinely nice about Ryan right here, right now. I don't want this. I don't want this. I will. I will. I was telling my wife about this earlier. What? uh, No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. that you pick on him so much that this guy needs to go the needle in the other direction. I'm going to just tell you a thing because I'll, 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 I'll put a needle in the whole thing. Is that I'm like so? I, I'm so embarrassed right now. No, at some point, I t- I asked Ryan. I was like, "I'm picking you on the show. It's kind of a bit. If it's too much, please tell me, and I will stop." And he said, "No, I'm okay with it." And I was like, "All right," because I don't. It's a bit. It's not how I actually feel. You're about my him. you're my big brother. Like yeah. that's yeah. And I was telling my wife about that because I said uh, it sounds like I pick on. Him. I don't for talking about the show. I guess which is amazing that she knows I do a show. Um, <laughs> Uh, something generally nice uh, about Ryan, right this. here, right now. Uh, I, I really hey, it better admire, be about his ponytail. I really admire Ryan's enthusiasm about so many things. Uh, he's like he's the kind of person who's interested in a thousand things. You could ask him about paleontology. You could ask him about comics. You could ask him about a book. You could ask him about different foods. I cannot keep up with that kind of energy and enthusiasm, and uh, I admire that very much. I think that that is the thing that keeps you happy and young. You texted me about the Death Star a couple of weeks ago, and it was, <laughs> it, was an ama- it was an amazing question, and like it was it was literally it was legitimately the thing I, I started to respond to it, and I was like, nope, because I was I was out, I was running errands, I was like on yeah. my bike, and I was like, I can't respond to this right now because this is such a good question about the Death Star. What was the question? Like, I think it had something to do with gravity. It was about how gravity works in the Death Star. So like, does the gravity right. from the Death Star like originate from a central point, or like, is it you know, are there interior layer? Is the Death Star an onion? Are they walking around with their feet? Are right. their feet pointing outward as it spins? It was an or, excellent or is question. Or there something that has mass? Is they did they create it around mass so that that has gravity? And if it has that, then as you get further inside the Death Star, the gravity would increase. Star Trek. My, 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 answer, my answer, Josh, that I sent to you was about a quarter of like what I had written, and then I like cut it down to be like, okay, I can't like I can't send all of this to Josh. You can edit. It's, it's too much. Yeah. So there you go. Can I oh, say Ryan, something nice about Josh? No, that's not the question. Ryan, ha, are you just keeping the long hair forever? Is that what's happening? I mean, do you want me to let it down? If you want. All right. While he's doing that, Chris A. from Washington. It doesn't take long. If one is Electro for costumes, is the Teen Titans T-Tower one for superhero headquarters? If that question is too cute by half or whole, is the Teen Titans T-Tower the greatest Gashi superhero headquarters of all time? I mean, the greatest Gashi superhero headquarters of all time is a tie between the Fortress of Solitude and the Batcave. 
I mean, you're talking about a structure if it's cool or not, but like if you were to ask me what's my superhero headquarters, well, Batman has a huge computer screen on the wall and he has a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a giant penny. There's First that's all, the Ryan, you're getting dangerously close to Bob in Twin Peaks territory. <laughs> um which really freaked me out for a second. Now I can't look at you. Well, uh, just they pretend I'm, I'm Dale. I'm, I'm agent, special agent Dale Cooper. It was a you damn don't look at all like him. You look like Bob. Yeah. So that's that's was the problem. The the building that's in the shape of a T is pretty cool. It's excellent. Oh, it's it's, it's gosh, it's gosh off the charts. That's I, not. I still think the number one per, for me personally. This others may disagree. Is the JLA headquarters from the uh, Super Friends? The Hall, of Hall of Justice. The Hall of Justice, which they still use right to this day. Meanwhile, at the Hall that, of I mean, Justice. That is, by the way, an excellent example of Gosh returning to mainstream. And it's mm-hmm. from they Cincinnati. Had, they had the, the Justice League. You know, they were they were on a satellite for a while because we had to make it kind of cool or whatever. Yes, and I, then at I, some point recently, more recently, was somebody was like, fuck it, Hall of Justice. Josh, you remember that our, the, the police headquarters in Ithaca was called the Hall of Justice? I do remember that. I remember thinking that every time I drove, drove past it. Uh, every time I got taken to jail in college. Cincinnati also has the best chili. Uh, 32. I'll just continue. Ethan J. <laughs> writes in, what is the single greatest written line in a comic book? And I, I know this is all extemporaneous off the top of our heads. We I, think I, exactly I think I texted it to you the other day. I know exactly I, I'm what gonna, my answer is. What is that? I know exactly what my answer is. Okay, yeah, well, I, oh, I know yours is a preacher one. Oh, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. I, I'm going with with a very strange one, but it's one that's always in my head, and so to me that must be good. And it's the reason why it's strange is because it's one word. All right, burn. Ooh, it's that's good. Alan Moore writing Superman, and what what is it that gets Superman to the point where he's going to tell someone, "Motherfucker, burn," and then shoots him with his heat ray vision? What Superman doesn't ever get to that point, but he did with Alan Moore, and, and I I'll, I think of that line often. And and no one, no one can uh, get away with writing that story except Alan Moore. Yeah, I mean, literally anybody else tries and like this is garbage, but Alan Moore is Alan Moore. Yeah, mine is that's a good one, and and it also in in the same way, uh, no more mutants is a really effective. It's a really yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a great line. It's yeah, a good one. As opposed to not like this. Which is a worse. Thing <laughs> uh, no, mine is from Preacher. Uh, a young, uh, I'm trying to remember. John, um, John Custer tells his son, the young Jesse Custer, "Son, you got to be one of the good guys because there's way too many of the bad." Saying it, saying it, I got that is the ethos of comic books, right there. Exactly. We talked about it earlier. Why is it so popular? Josh, Why, did you realize their 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 initials are both JC? Like Jesus Christ? Like you look? You look like you look like a white Jesus. Like no, I don't. I don't. don't. Would you please stop smiling? Because you look more like Bob when you smile. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, have you seen Twin Peaks? Yes, I you, love Twin Peaks. And you low you do not see? Do you not see it? Uh, I do. I do. Okay. It's unfortunate. I'm not happy about it. Ryan, <laughs> yeah, it's not something you want. So he's trying not to see it. Ryan, what or, is your uh, what is your line? Oh shit! I had it. Um, uh. uh Josh's line is very good. I got two more. Same kind of writer. The good news is we're in the home stretch, so we can spend yep. a little time here. I mean, I think I think, you know, the city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. Yeah, I was on that page. I was on the You line. know what else I think of? Welcome to hell. 
when Batman breaks through the ground and Dark Knight returns and he's grabbing the guy. Oh yeah. I, I mean, was, I was thinking gold, the chat room criminals are a kind of superstitious lot or great power. Great that's responsibility. pretty good one. But, but Batman yeah. don't shiv. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Josh, you kind of like you left out like you didn't. I mean, you you said the line, but like uh-huh. the the full context is like he's got notes in your performance, Josh. Your performance. You've got to be one of the good guys because there's way too many of the bad. Yeah, and that like that line breaks my heart. Like it's uh-huh. so it's beautiful. Like it it I like Garth Ennis. I, and I'm so annoyed, Josh. We never did this on the video show. We never did like our top, you know, all time. We, we talked about doing like the top twenty all time writers and artists and things. Mm-hmm. But like, Garth Ennis, the more you look at his work, the better it gets. In and even Garth in don't shiv. The Garth don't shiv. No, this write that down. Write that down. Write <laughs> <laughs> it down. Garth. Don't uh, but like, but like, Josh, shiv. you know you. Uh, like in terms of like I, I don't want to get mushy, but like being no. fathers. Sure. Like no, you're right. The whole you've gotta be one of the good guys. Like impressing that lesson upon a son mm-hmm. it's huge. Like it's it also depends on who's saying it. <laughs> and what that means. Garth don't shiv. I can't believe I pulled out don't shiv. Um, but just you yeah. got to be one of the good guys because there's way too many of the bad. I mean, the fact is you don't remember a lot of comic book dialogue. So when something sticks with you, this, like it wasn't hard for me to come up with an answer because I didn't remember a whole lot else. Even Herm. I, mean, the, Herm the, I was going to say my favorite from that is uh, I did it 35 minutes ago. Yeah, that's, that's a great, a great line, too. And there's a lot of out. There's a lot of good Alan Moore ones. I think there's you're there's not trapped one, in here with me. I'm, tra- you're not, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Which was in line. the chat. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. And then, and then, like, there's there's the one from the movie with Chris Reeves where it's like, who are you? I'm a friend. That's good. It's not yeah. a comic book line necessarily, but like, it's it's very good. No, I know it's the same. It's the same ideas. How about this? I mean, How about this? It's clobbering time. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. You know what? All of this really encapsulates why we love doing this so much. Yeah, because it's this these great feelings, these lines that you read over the years. Stay in your brain, and they dredge up either emotion, like like uh, Ryan's feeling about you got to be a good guy, or you know, different. Even I think about the line uh, in Animal Man. What was the oh. line when he looks when he looks at the? I mean, it's an image more than a word. I'm, wait, I can see you the whole. But it's like these moments in time stick with you and give you a genuine human emotions, and mm-hmm. you can't beat it. Uh, J- uh, Ryan, do thirty four. 34, 34, how much BPRD is too much, bepe, at a day? I've heard it's good, but it gets repetitive after a while. How much, if the series did y'all read, do you think it's worth uh, sticking all the way through the original series, Hell on Earth, The Devil You Know, to get to the ending? Also, any standout stories amongst the artists to look for? This was from Zach C. from Houston, Tejas. I didn't read all of it. No, I jumped in later. I never went back. Although I did buy one of the <laughs> apparently two of those big collected editions is is enough because I never got more than that. But whenever frog, it was the frog ones, yeah. Whenever I jumped, yeah, yeah Plague of Frogs. I have all uh, four of them. I think. Yeah, I stopped after two. I, I, whenever I jumped on, I read it all the way to the end. But there were big chunks of it. But this is also a Mignola 
It's a Hellboy thing. You can jump in anywhere. Yes, and it doesn't really matter if it's in order or not. The, although BBRD w- was more episodic in that way, but there's totally such a thing as too much. I think it's one of those things. Read it for a while, let off when you start getting, then then go back in. Uh, but eventually, that Mignola aesthetic has now become incredibly attractive to me, like in a way that it probably wasn't. I just love that everything is so simple. You live with a feeling. Get away. It's funny because we used to talk about before, back before Marvel started renumbering everything was oh. that, oh, everyone should emulate the Hellboy at Mignola style and just mm-hmm. do arcs and things. And then they did it. Marvel did it. <laughs> and we we're like, this sucks. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, by the way, Guy Davis is somebody I'd bring back because that guy fucking yeah. disappeared. I uh, love. He was great. Love. Very good. Yeah. I, I've never, I mean, I've never heard anyone say be a PRD is bad. No, it's it's never been bad, but I, but is I it agree, repetitive? I agree. I agree with the the eh. claim of repetitive in the, the way Yusaki Jimbo's repetitive. But it's like it's repetitive. It, it to me, B parody feels repetitive in the way that like poetry is repetitive. Like it 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 if if I were a George Lucas type, I might say it's you know it's it rhymes. Uh, um, so I think I think like there's there's. It, it hits on the same themes over and over again in ways that feel similar, but like that's not a bad thing. If anything, like it's comfort food, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely correct. And it, 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 you know, really, it, it's one of those things that depends on the reader. If you're into the kind of thing it is, then you're just good. You just go with that flow. Like it's it's never too heavy. You dip in, you read for a little while. I think it read great in issues. Maybe reading it in collected form doesn't work as well as some of the other things, but is a little bit here and there. I think uh, Yusagi Yojimbo is another one of those. Yeah. Um, like I wouldn't necessarily want to read like a huge, like an omnibus full of them. You I wouldn't want to getting, binge read BBRD. No, I love getting, I love getting one a month. I think that's great. I think. Even, I mean, the stance to Kai is talking about one of the unsung greats of the comic book medium. I don't think he ever wanted to do anything else. So <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Sorry, Stephen I, H. I from Wrexham, Wales, United oh. Kingdom. Whoa! You guys are having a, a, you guys are having a moment. There's yes. a show. It's a good show. De- I've Deadpool. Think, I've been thinking about this question since you first announced the Andrew Hathaway special, but have left it as long as I can for extra rumination time. Could, should, and would Disney ever buy DC? Let's take it one question at a time. Could Sure, they yes. have a lot of money. They got they got the but resources. You can't buy something that ain't for sale, and it's not for sale. Should no, no, no. Anyone who cares about this stuff does not want one company owning all the all the entertainment all the entertainment IP out there. Would sure if they could, they probably yeah. would. Would they? Could they? Yes, but it has to be for sale, and and it's the only thing that Warner Brothers really has that is worth a lot of money. They they're not selling it anytime soon. It's funny though. I, I feel like it's I worth see, a lot of money right now because Marvel's very popular. I see right, so much bullshit on Twitter and YouTube that's like... All I'm hearing from this show is that you should get off Twitter. I yes. know, right? Fan Fanboys and nerds being like very invested in the quote-unquote DCEU. And I'm just like, y'all don't know what you're talking about, have horrible opinions, and are fucking losers when it comes to like how you feel about this stuff because like you're just bootlicking fanboys and it's but terrible. It, 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 this is a perfect it, that would be a perfect time for Jeremy's superpower. You, you just you argument. just see people all the time say, oh, they're going to sell based on nothing. It's the literal reason why anyone has been buying Warner Brothers is to exploit the DC uh, properties. That there's, there's No one is selling that. That's ridiculous. 
Uh, should they? No. No, no one that. should want one company owning everything. That is horrible. Uh, uh, one company I mean, already owns way one too owns, much. One Disney already owns way too much. Yes. And also, you guys, like, you joke about me being on Twitter. Like, No if, one tell if, Ron about this. If Elon's deal goes through, like, goodbye. I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> see, see you later, because that anyway, sucks. Could they? Yes. Should they? No. Would they? Sure. But do we, do, but, but, the, but the underlying premise is, like, is that something we would want? No. No, that's the, that's should, the should. Bad. Yeah. Bad. Really, really bad. bad. It would be very, now, very bad. If somebody else wanted to take them over and tell them how to make a fucking movie, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Anyway. I don't a know. nightmare like Bruce Wayne had where the Flash came to... We're, we're getting down to the end here. Yeah. Uh, Wayne and... From, well, we still have a couple of pages left. Wayne and from Australia. Comics for the big publishers are filled with made-up cities, especially DC, although I can't recall any from here in Australia. What made-for-comics city do you wish was real so you could visit? I've been thinking about this question since lunchtime when the Big Belly Burger franchise came into my mind while I ate a sandwich. Easy question. I bet Josh can predict my answer. Metropolis. Nope. Ooh. Okay. Where That's do they have chili? <laughs> Again, this is just like the work question. None of those are good places to go. Metropolis. No, I have a I have a strong I have a strong DC based answer. Savage Land, Central City. Oh wait, no, Coast City. What's the what's the DC version of Savage Land? Where's Black Widow and? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Star City, Opal City, Opal City, Opal City. How cool is Opal City? You got the shade. You got a ton of Art Deco architecture. Got great antique shops as run by Jack Knight. You know, Starman. Uh, Opal City is my absolute 100% answer for where I would want to hang out in in the fake universe. This is my favorite question. Uh, I would choose Metropolis. I think Metropolis sounds cool. It's the city of tomorrow. It's got a lot of cool technology and stuff. It always seems like it's out of time with the rest of the DC universe. It almost seems like a future city. Obviously not Gotham City. I love Batman. You're I'm gonna, never going you're to You're going to take it out by inner gang. Come also, no, but here's the thing. That is also the city that is the safest and most protected because it's Superman specifically. It's his place. And so it's the one that I would feel most secure in in that sense. Opal City is so cool, though. Opal City like, is very right, cool. You know Shade, Asgard. Literally... Asgard. It's not a city. That's a Fuck realm. You, it is too. Now it is. It's it's a it, realm. It was a city for a while. Actually, is it still in Oklahoma? Because then I don't want to go. If it's in Oklahoma, no. But if it's in Maine in the MCU, then I can see Josh there. No. Um, I, I think, I think in terms of like all the, the, you know, I know that the three of us have like a lot of phrases that we use that are from movies and television and whatever. What are you talking about? That are, um, you know, we, we just use them in conversation as if they're normal red leader. How about you go fuck yourself, spider? <laughs> and one, one that my wife and I use a lot is good luck morons from from infinity war because actually that's that's it's it's quite funny you know what we use the most right now and i can't go on all night uh but do you know the scene in national lampoon's christmas vacation where he goes down the the hill and then the the sled goes really fast and they crash the very last thing in that is that randy quaid turns to camera and he goes bingo (laughs) and that's what we always use when we see something, when they we see a terrible beat at the end of something, a terrible line, a joke, or whatever it is, ooh, that's a bingo. So which is also from Inglorious Bastards. Josh, Nick in the chat makes a good point that Asgard is not a place; it's a people. 
No, Asgardians are people. Asgard is a place. No, no, that's the movie concept, which is dumb. I know. I know. Just, just, it was a, it was a, it was a decent bar. joke. No, it, it, oh, it's totally a decent joke. Warranted a, a mention. Josh, yeah, 38. No. Paul H., this was the one I said my favorite question. Do you have a plan for hap- what happens to all your nerd shit when you die? Dark. Dark. What? I'll, I'll answer. Dark. I'll answer. I love it. No, I love it. I was. Go ahead. No, I don't care. <laughs> I'll be dead. Dude, that's it. kind of my answer. Do, do whatever you want. I don't give a shit. Doesn't matter. Like sell, if, sell if it. You guys, burn it. Bury it with me. I don't. If, I truly if, could not. I could not guys, be fucked. If you guys want it, or don't. <laughs> Sorry. If it helps. If it's. If anything's worth enough to sell it, that you. That's all. Does that mean you don't have a will? I am waiting on my life insurance. I'm waiting on my insurance company to give me a life insurance policy. They're dragging their heels because I rock climb. That's well, that makes sense. Don't tell them. I but I said I use all the safety gear. I was like, I have all the shoes and the ropes and the sort of dynamic rope and an appropriate harness and a helmet, but they're dragging their heels now. So I don't fuck it. Like Ryan said, I'll be dead. I don't give a shit. I I I mean I have a couple original pages. Like that's the only thing I think is like I hope somebody gets the records. So that they can listen to them, I, I don't want the art going to be I mean, destroyed. But no, so it sounds like none of us believe in an afterlife. Yeah, it is a show. Well, you don't get your shit there. Yeah, I, but, but but regardless, yeah, I believe in afterlife. We can take my records with me. I would think there'd be better records, <laughs> better pressings. I know. Genuinely, if I had to say, like, I I hope that at some point stuff gets to go to people who could enjoy it. I, I mean that. Like, a, well, that's like, that's partially why I gave my comics away. Right. Like. Yes. Someone take them who, who who will enjoy them. By the way, what team would you like to come back? I'd like Darwin team Darwin Cook's team to come back. By yeah. the way, that's what I would. That's I mean, if we're talking about that kind for of for various thing. various reasons. Yes. All right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think about it like there's literally an industry that exists in the United States now for helping people my age deal with the fact that like their parents have all this stuff. That everyone's, everyone's that they want them to inherit that they don't that, like me i don't want <laughs> so so like i don't know just yeah like give it all away like give it to people who need it and 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 everything else like who gives a shit my mom doesn't have a shit it's great i mean not like in the best way not the horrible way that it sounded like i would do locks of love but no no kid with cancer wants gray hair unless they're uh, a complete fucking baller like I mean, if you're like eight and you have straight up gray hair, that's all. Awesome. I mean, they'd look awesome, but yes. like I, I appreciate them they not. Would, they would look like a mutant prophet. They'd be like everyone. <laughs> It'd be a Targaryen. Aldwin D writes and says, "How would you rank the host's performance while being drunk during the live stream podcast and all of the email shows?" Josh in episode five hundred one. We'll get to that in a second. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Connor from episode two fifty or Ryan from episode eight hundred. Note. I could not find an episode with Ron being drunk on a live show, except for the odd fact of Ron being creeped out, being asked in an email in episode 150 about a threesome. That was creepy. It was about us being in a threesome. Uh, the rating scale is one uh, intervention needed, two comical, three mildly amusing, four needs more alcohol. And then, all right. So that's the, I mean, he has to, he asks us if you were to drink a drink during the anniversary episode, what drink would you choose? But we already, we do that every episode. Uh, Josh, were you drunk in an episode? I probably got like... Oh, you probably were a little tipsy from one drink. That's probably Yeah, true. that's because I don't... It's like a for, There was a long time where you didn't drink at all. Neither yeah. did Ron. I was the only one. Yeah, I mean, it, but then then I went back, basically. And, and 
Around Connor like, and Josh one drink didn't have coffee for a long time. I know, I've so never had coffee there was, in my life. There was a long period of the show where we record in the mornings, typically, not today, but like we typically record in the mornings where I'm the only one drinking coffee. I've never had it in I my life. Coffee, no coffee, nothing can wake me up in the morning. It doesn't coffee matter. Coffee could though. if you did it, it right. It doesn't. Okay, Ugh. so let's go back to this. Ryan, on the last one of these, April 800, you were very, fairly intoxicated. That's number one. No, I you think were, I was comical. You were comical, then you passed out, basically. All right. Well, you can put me at number one. And that's that was the point when you when you jumped in the scale. I've done I'm, pretty good. I've done pretty good this episode. I've been. You lost your sound, Ryan. Something happened to your microphone. Wow. He popped the mic out. He popped what was great about that was he said he was doing really good, and then he be, broke his microphone. What would be great is if he opens it up to try to make it work, and he's like, shit, there is a diaphragm in here. Can you hear you, Ryan? Nope. You're right. Your mic is still dead. Something something snapped. We heard the it. exact moment that you popped that cap. And the exact moment you said, I'm like... doing really great, and you broke your microphone, which is awesome. It is. It's pretty uh, great. Me on 250 was pretty drunk. I think I had... No, yeah, two fifty. I think if I remember correctly, I had two bottles of champagne by myself while we did that. That was how long ago? Yeah, it was. It was a long time ago. I was living in Brooklyn. Oh, and I don't remember. I don't. Remember. I remember editing the show the next day, and the like the last fifteen minutes of the show were new to me. And I don't. I don't normally black out. I don't normally forget the evenings, but two. Bottle of champagne in the space of a couple of hours is a lot, and I basically don't remember. I didn't remember the last twenty minutes of the show. Ryan's mic is still dead, so we'll deal with that. Ryan, Ryan will, will uh, he'll you might, help troubleshoot that while we work on. You, the you might want to go to a, a a more reliable but maybe less audio pleasing version if you want to keep going. Is the light on? I don't know. I don't want to troubleshoot this in front of everyone. The, the light is on. Oh, he's back. You're back, back, Ryan. I'm on a different mic, but I just won't touch. Yeah, it's not something... this mic. There was a snap sound, and then it, it died. Yeah, if Thanos yeah. killed half the electronics in that, <laughs> <laughs> which is all you need for electronics. Welcome okay. to the end of the show, old man Tony. Oh yeah, old man Tony from Phoenix, Arizona. I've been thinking about this for about three hours. Deal with it. When is the last time you each had butterscotch pudding? If you cannot recall, are you open to actively seeking it out to remind yourselves of its splendor? I've never had butterscotch pudding. Butterscotch pudding is fucking awesome. I've never had it. I have had butterscotch. I, I have. When I go to Dairy Queen. I got a butterscotch dipped cone. Although they keep discontinuing it and bringing it back. But if I got pudding right now, I'd get butterscotch. Been a long never time. I I got invited to a friend's place for a dinner. Which and, he calls the know. Butterscotch Society. <laughs> fellow fellow paleontologist he's a dinosaur paleontologist so like you know you guys know what i heard i heard for but, a second i know this is what he said he goes he's a dancer paleontologist I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> hello look at these bones so we we had asked his um so so literally like his wife works in museums and he works in paleontology and my wife works in museums and i used to work in paleontology so like we're you know very Nerds. yeah synced up as a couple so we asked like what can we contribute to a meal and they said like bring snacks to like eat before the meal and bring like something sweet to eat after the meal long story short i was trying to like make this dessert from when i was a kid that was like a a, a pastry crust with 
chocolate pudding and whipped topping and whatever. Um, so I made chocolate pudding recently, and my kid loves bananas. So I was looking up banana pudding recipes recently because I, you know, is this going to circle back around a butterscotch? No. Okay. All right. You know, it's midnight. We have a lot of we, yeah. We can't we can't afford these tangents. The end. Kyle R. I'm just jumping to the end. I'm just going to do the rest. Kyle R. I feel the cultural influence of the MCU has begun to ebb. Does it seem like the MCU version of characters are having less of an impact on the comics? Are we in a place where the writers can begin to ignore the MCU? Clearly, She-Hulk gets to. I've been thinking about this since the Falcon costume redesign. And what's interesting about that is he mentions Falcon, who in the comics is now Captain America because of the MCU. But also, like... Is he talking the cultural influence? He's talking about the comics influence. But also, like, isn't really Captain America in the MCU because, like, they did it in the show. But my point is, they put him in the suit because the movies did. That's why he's in the suit. But the movies... Remender's story happened before the movies? Right, I'm saying, again, they put him back in the suit because they put him in the suit in the TV show and now in the next movie. But the movies haven't done anything. Like, the movies... And shows haven't done anything with it since. They've done it, and now he's Captain America in the comics. That's what. Yeah, that's but that. But that yeah, the but other. No, but they're still doing the cake and eat it too because Steve Rogers right. is also Captain America. But also, yes, like but, that, but that they're, they're doing was, that because of the yeah. movies and the TV no, shows. But the oh, show right. was bad. It doesn't make a difference. It's, they're the doing thing. it because a, a equals leads to B. That's what happened. Here's the thing, though, and this is this is truly. I don't care. I do. I, think I, I just, do. I, I do a little. I hate it. I, I really it. like the She-Hulk show. She-Hulk yeah. show is terrific, and I don't. It's, just, it's not that much different than the. I've, the I've seen people complain about. it. I was like, I don't know. If there's a complaint about. It's amazing. It's the last episode cool. was terrific. The yes, it was. I haven't watched you, it. Yet. I watched did it. You did you hear the joke where she said, and it was such a comic book joke. She said, "I don't want to get fridged," and I was like, Jesus, that's a deep fucking cut. Yeah. Like no one who doesn't read comics is going to know what that means. No, it's and a comic even book. That's, even that, but even that's a subset. All right, uh, Tom D has a couple of questions. I'm gonna we'll do this rapid fire, okay? Tom D, we'll see. Number one is the market shifting away from hard copy books and towards reading on devices? No, no, right? No, that's correct. The the mar- digital market share has not grown. So, digital yeah. market share topped off at like ten percent and has stayed at ten percent for the last twelve years. Yep. Question two: I often hear barks. Eisner and Kirby referred to as the most influential creators. Does anyone else belong in that pantheon? Toph. Um, Kirby. Kirby's, well, Kirby's literally on the list. Names. Barks, Eisner, and Kirby. I think the next level underneath them is like Adams, Miller, and... Uh, Burn? I actually it, think Burn, it, Burn deserves a... a Yes, he mentioned. I agree. But Adams, uh, Adams uh, is the next one because he changed Adams, the style. Adams absolutely does. Ditko. Ditko. I don't know that anybody was 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 was. uh, I don't think anyone was emulating. Spider Man is as big as ever, and they can't stop throwing Doctor Strange at stuff. That's that doesn't mean his 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 style was is being emulated. I I think that he did. I think they're probably not so much visual but stylistic things he did that are. I mean, this he absolutely influenced the visual style of comic books. Because otherwise, everything would look like Kirby. Yeah. I mean, you go back to like Kurt Swan. Or, what do you? There's, there's an argument to be made about all those stuff. It depends on how deep you want to go. 
I definitely I think the Adams and Miller are the next two in terms of cha- they change the style of comics. Miller, I mean Miller's a really good pick for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, his third question, and this is just going to give your gut answer right off the top of your head. What is the best TV slash streaming superhero show? Okay. Gut answer. Uh, I mean, I want to say She-Hulk because I was just finishing it and I enjoyed it, but I don't think that's the answer. Maybe I mean, just, let's just say currently on. For me, for me, it's it's, it's, it's lucky. Oh, you going? Okay, not currently. Okay. No, I don't think she's just like whatever that we're talking about this modern streaming, and this actually doesn't even have to be just Marvel, but it it is. Um, I would say I, I mean Sandman's in there. I think. Oh, comic book stuff. Yeah, the boys is actually really good too. I was just thinking. Boys about is the boys is great. Loki really hit like a, a it hit a nerve for me of like there was a nihilism but an optimism like it, it, man I just didn't it. like that at all really I didn't like Loki either it was one of my least favorite ones man like, I, don't, I, I didn't really liked Loki good I didn't finish I I, I, I not, didn't like what they finished. were doing to the story I've not like finished a lot of the Marvel Disney Plus shows and we you know, we've talked about that offline but like Loki was. For me, something that it it did oh, something uh, that I, I didn't know that I wanted. Oh, Watchmen is Watchmen. Watchmen is the best that's ever been done. Yeah, Watchmen. It was I so fucking I, good. I, it was very good, but I don't know. For me, no, that's no, fine. No, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you, Josh. You you were you are right about Sandman though. Like Sandman was such an amazing. Reboot. I will be genuinely sad if they don't do more of it. It was very. very I good. still haven't watched Sandman just because that's one of those shows that my wife was like, "Can we watch together?" And we just turns yeah, out having a never happens. Well, we have a toddler, so like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Never happens. I'm not. I'm not denigrating you. So you put the kids to bed. Yeah, the toddler's asleep. I could have been watching Sandman with my wife. If I wasn't Maybe he'll like Sandman. You don't know. He doesn't. No, he just he's in toddler phase where like he says yes to some things, but the no's that you know he says you know hey do you want to eat peas yeah and if do you want to eat anything else no 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 like the no's are ten times what the s's are at this point. All right, we're heading to the last two. I'm jumping to the end. This is a this is an audio visual question. Or, or email. Chris from Portland, Oregon. I didn't have a question for 850, so I decided on sending you something different with the help of someone else. I hope you enjoy it. Let's play it. I haven't seen this yet. Hey, I fanboy. It's your friend, Jeff Kanata, here with a very special message from R3V. I think it's pronounced Rev. And I guess you could say this message is best summed up in the form of a limerick. 850, the time's been flying. And all the comics you got me buying have been great. And that's why I'll say congrats to Connor and Josh and Ryan. Yay! Happy 850, iFanboy! You guys are the best in the biz. The best in the biz. And you've been around the longest. Uh, I am very happy and honored to call you friends uh, to say that I was sort of there at the beginning with you guys-ish. Uh, we were all sort of in that Revision 3 world. And uh, I can't believe you're still going strong. It's awesome. Not that I can't believe it. I can believe it. Uh, it, it is a testament to the dedication and the professionalism and the awesome community that you've built. That uh, 850 episodes later, you're still picking the week. You're still picking the week. 
And I have uh, I have gotten countless, countless great recommendations from the uh, Pick of the Week podcast. And, um, you know, I love you guys. I love you guys. Congratulations. It's a huge achievement. You should be very proud. And uh, I know that all the folks that get their uh, recommendations from the Pick of the Week podcast are grateful as well. Uh, it is my honor to try to add a little bit of uh, uh, my voice and my limerick to the uh, no doubt torrent of congratulations that you've gotten. Um, it is well deserved, and uh, I'm just I just I'm in awe of it. It's really really cool. Um, so high fives to you, dudes, and keep on trucking, keep on picking the week. Uh, I I will keep listening if you guys keep making episodes. And uh, R3V, thank you for caring enough uh, to send a limerick. I hope it brought a smile to your face and to anybody that's listening. Best wishes, I fanboy. You're the best. Take care. That was uncomfortable. Um, really? Awesome. I liked it. I liked I don't it. Because he was looking right at me. He was, Josh, Josh, I don't do well with compliments. Um, Jeff is one of the best people. I uh, yeah. Ever. I don't uh, I don't think he and I have ever met. And so the the fact that I was included in the the names was I was really worried that he was gonna be Josh Connor Ron and I was gonna but he you know. If you know what, if he had said Ron, I wouldn't have begrudged him in the slightest. Like I would have understood completely, but like the fact that he included me actually meant a lot. And I had so, I'll just say I'll just say I'll just say I had a feeling. Thank you, Jeff. You're you're a man. First of all, great job. Thank you, R3V, who's in the chat room right now, who 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 paid for that to get to happen. That's incredibly generous of you. Um, so people don't know, uh, Jeff has been around us. Jeff Jeff's been on this show. He was he came on. He's he's been on several special edition shows. I remember specifically. He's, been on, he's done pick of the week before. He's been on pick of the week. He was a guest host. He, I remember he he was on with me for the Winter Soldier review special edition show. Like he's been on our show several times. Uh, he mentioned in the, in the that little video, and if you if you could only hear it on the audio show, you can watch it on the video sh- on the YouTube if you want. Um, we were on Revision Three. It was a, it was a TV internet TV network. His show was uh, it was uh, what was the one the first one? Totally right. No, no, before that. I don't the know. one with Jonathan. He had a show before that with Jonathan London. They broke oh, up. Shit. Then he went to Totally Rad right. Show. Anyway, oh, we, wow. he's been around us uh, since we started in 2007 or eight. Yeah. You know, we met it. We we've been hanging out with him. And when I moved to LA, I saw him all the time. I miss Jeff. He moved to Colorado with his family uh, for good reason. But I used to see him all the time. Uh, we used to be both on the same press screening list. We, I'd see him at movies all the time. I remember. I still. I still remember sitting next to him uh, for the Avengers movie screening, the original, the first one, uh, in at the at the Disney lot in the tiny screening room. Oh, you're right. We have the It was Dan who was with London. That's not, what I thought. Not Jeff. You're right. Um, he's a great guy. He's so super nice and very talented, and that was very nice. So he is the person. Like he's not putting on a thing. No, that's how he, he was in real life. He was putting on a voice there, which reminded me of that guy who does uh, Ian McKellen on YouTube. But I think that. But was he just the he's angle. he is what you get. Like what you see is what you get with Jeff. With Jeff, he's awesome. And I, I I would see him regularly back when we were doing the Marvel uh, press screenings. I'd see him a couple times a year, and uh, he's super nice. And thank you for that. And thank you for everybody. Uh, last question. Very last Wait, question. Wait, can we? Uh, 
hang on. What, 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 what? I love you guys too. <laughs> we're, like, we're not to that part Jeff, of the show yet. No, but Jeff was, Jeff was effusive. Let's get it out of the way now. Like he, he was, he was effusive. It made me feel a feeling. And so like, I, I, I saw the video ahead of this recording. So it wasn't the first time that I watched it, but like, I love you guys. And like, you guys have been awesome supporters of me, both like as a person and as a media personality and whatever this nonsense that we all do is, but like, you guys are awesome. And I, I really do love you. And, and I appreciate everything. You've What's really funny me. is the chat room thinks you're drunk. No, I'm not. And I'm not I'm convinced not. you're not. Final question. All right. Steve. It's fine. Thank you. Thank you very much. We no, were just, just trying like, to express after, some love. It's, no, it's great. But after Jeff doing that, looking right at me, and then you, I was like, I, I can't take any more. Especially Josh. He can't handle How can this. We, this is too like, much emotion, just, real emotion. If I can get him. Josh to just melt into a puddle of shame, that's all Josh I Josh is an Irish shame. American who does not. I mean, Enjoy you, you said shame with with that's, what what that's feeling actually, are you feeling, Josh? I just said I don't I I don't know what to do about compliments in my face. I'm an emotional. But like, wreck. what does it make? You I saw feel? a punk rock band the other day and I broke out crying when they played. So, <laughs> but what does it make you feel, Joshua? What are you talking about? What are, what, does, what are your does, feelings when I when I tell you, Josh, that I love you? Uh-huh. What do you feel? I feel immense gratitude that I have people in my life that are that are wonderful and can say those things out loud and that they're understood even without saying them. And I'm not saying you shouldn't say them. You absolutely should say them. That's what I feel. I, but I will tell you that I, right now what I feel is tired and that I have to get up in not a long time. One more you, question. And then we can wrap should, this show up. Men should say it to each other more often. And, and we do. Josh, I say all the but time. We don't say it, we, like, we don't say it on the show. Enough. We don't say it in person, in public. But all the time we say, hey, we God, should, we though. Love we should. Right, I love you, Ryan. Is that what you were looking for? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Almost always. But <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you might be saying that, but you're not my dad. So you're not going to give me what I need. <laughs> oh, give, me, give me enough time. Give me enough time. I'll find, a way. I'll find a way. I love you, Ryan. I love Josh. I love the iFan base. I love Ron. I love everyone. I love everybody. I love the Scotch offspring that I've barely ever met. Love those. See, it's okay for me to. I love Ron too. I've had I gotta. Scotch. I gotta say that I love Ron because Ron. I kind of go on it. No, <laughs> I can take a leave, Ron. All right, Steve B. I never cared for Ron. Ron's been <laughs> texting me this whole time. We've, we've been we've been texting about baseball this entire time. All right, I've been th- Steve B. The final question. It's dark again, or is it? I've been thinking about this for seven years. What is the end game? <laughs> you both have taken this hobby and turned it into a career. You both have taken this hobby and turned. That's very funny. You both have taken this hobby and turned it into a career, and then we're forced to turn it back to a hobby. Do you see yourselves continuing until you get tired? I'm, I'm tired right now. Collaborating <laughs> on collaborating on creating something. You obviously do this out of love for the medium, but do either of you actually see yourself stopping? When I turned 47 years ago, I started asking this because, frankly, I think about it in terms of you guys. I, as a longtime reader, stopped regularly reading a while ago and sold all of my books. I now read via the apps, but realized long ago, hearing you guys talk about comics made me get the experience of a community through this, which, as I aged and switched comic shops, gave me a sense of community. So thank you for that. Josh, I can, I can answer first very quickly. Very quickly, I'm just waiting <laughs> for both of them to be gone and then I'll take over. 
if that, you could have just asked. <laughs> oh man! Neither of you responded to my soup text. That was a good text. All right, we had this conversation earlier. Soup. So, what is the end game? What you know? What I honestly, Josh, one of the most satisfying things about this whole iFanboy enterprise is we have defied the skeptics. You won't you won't remember this, but you know, in the early days of the show, and even the you know the middle days, people were constantly saying these guys are going to stop at any moment. They hate this. Oh. There's no way they're coming back. <laughs> I remember when Ron left to go work at Image. One of the communities from one of the other shows it was like, oh, these guys are going to be done in six weeks, and like, no one. We say it all the time, and yet no one believes us. We have a ton of fucking fun doing this show. Every time. Every time. I don't know why no time. one believes that. We do our jokes about being old and tired, because we are old and tired. And those are jokes. But we have the best fucking time doing this fucking show. And so, I just, I love that we keep going because we like it. And, yeah. and that the people who thought we would quit can go fuck off. I mean, well, I mean, in, in all sincerity, like, you, you know, you guys brought me in late in the game. I think we all recognize you guys are in Twilight and it's fine. But um, <laughs> like, I, hope you, you, I, hope, you, I hope you didn't expect us to offend us. I sit here, my knee hurts for no reason. And the there's there's a lot of pressure like about you know that friday's coming and like we got to record the show and and what's the pick and like all this other stuff i take it super seriously i re- i really really do and like not in a it doesn't it it it's stressful in that like i want to do a good job but it doesn't it doesn't stress me out in like a way that it's uncomfortable but like i i care and yet once I figure out what the pick is and, and the, the breakdown of the books that we're going to talk about, like it's the most fun to, to hop on the mic and talk with both of you or just one of you. Like, cause a lot of times when I do the show, it's just one or the other. And it's, it's, it's not that it's, way anymore. Not anymore. You come no, on but it's, regularly. But it's, with no, but it's fucking, it's fucking fantastic. Like it's really great to like hop on the mic and talk with either of you about the week comics. And it's really, it, really fun. Say what? It's good for what ails you. I think it really is. It really this. is. It's, now, it's difficult that I have a, an unhappy Friday afternoon. There's it's a just, high. There's yeah. a high for sure. It, that being said, I can distinctly remember uh, a few months after moving to Los Angeles, I was 33. <laughs> and I was having lunch with Mike Romo, our friend of the show. People know him. We were having lunch at um, Duke's Malibu. Right off the okay. one. I know what you're talking about. We were in the outdoor part where the wave crashes over the top of the plexiglass if the wave, the wave hits you the right way. And he was, we, were, we were just talking about life and what things we were doing. And I, I said, I don't know how much longer we're going to go, not because I'm not having fun, because I don't know if anyone wants to hear a bunch of 40-year-old guys talking Ooh. about comics. Because I was 33. When you're th- even when you're 33, 40 seems so old. But Ooh. when you get to be 40... Nothing has changed in your head. But even even now, I think, am I going to be doing this when I'm 50? And are people going to care about our dumb jokes about comics and our discussion about them? I don't know. 
I'm not I'm not at all even a little bit saying I think about stopping. I just wonder at what point will people stop caring? And that will make a difference because we need to talk. I don't know. You get you get feedback. You get you get something back from knowing that people are listening. But as long right. as there's I mean, we ran our website based on one guy for, for quite a years. while. Um I will say this, people I don't know I think we might have said this before. Every year, and it's not just when Josh and it was when Ron was here too. Every year at the end of the year, we we have a super informal meeting where someone says, "Do you want to keep going?" And we go, "Yeah," and that's it. That's all this, the discussion is. We, like the, after the last show, I go, "Josh, do you want to do it again next year?" And Josh goes, "Yeah." I'm like, okay. I mean, but like that's like, that's the extent of our angst over it. My my answer at this point is, I don't see a reason. I mean, something would have to happen to make us not do it, but I'm, I'm not, I don't want to stop. We have a great time. It, it, we say it all I don't time. want it's to. Our, so it's our best hour of the week or hour and a half. Uh, there's no, morning. there's no end date that we have right now. We're going to keep going. Uh, like last so, week, I think it was last week, Josh, where you and I got on the call and I started chatting and it was like 30 minutes. Like, oh shit, we got to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the two hour show. The- <laughs> well, it's just because we don't, we don't, we don't, you know, this is when we get to chat. We talk all day long on Slack on our Slack channel, but like, you know, we started talking about whatever's going on in our lives, and after, after a while, like, shit, I got, we got to do the show. <laughs> I gotta, you know, I gotta get to work. It's so funny because like the the you we <laughs> everyone rightfully likes to tease me about the last uh, anniversary show eight hundred where I well, you overindulged. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that was hilarious. You were funny, mm-hmm. but like, but but then like, you guys emailed me afterwards, being like, "Hey, so you said you know you want to be on the show more, mm-hmm. and so like, let's figure out a plan for that." And like, because of the overindulgence, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, like you guys emailed me saying like, "Hey, you said you want to be on the show more often." So let's figure out a plan for that. And like you guys took me seriously, even at my most compromised state. And like that was really cool because you guys were like, hey, you know, you you've you've worked for us before, you've worked for us currently, like let's figure it out. And and I don't know, like I uh it, it's it's hard to put into words, but like you guys have been Partners, collaborators, mentors, all of it. Like you've done it for me, and I know I'm not the only one. Like I, countless others, uh, and I know that I I sit in the third chair that was occupied by Ron. But like I, I'm not Paul. alone. I'm not alone in what this show has meant for me, and has meant for many others. And so, well, that's I, what I think. Also, and, and Josh can jump in is that. Uh, what has happened as a result of the show outside of us has been really meaningful. The uh, friendships that people have made, you know, amongst the listener group, the friendships, you know, the things that happen outside of us as a result of the show has been really, you know, you don't think about that, but like I see people on Instagram or wherever who are hanging out and it's because I remember they met each other on the revision three forums or because mm-hmm. of at one of our hangouts after New York comic con. And, that's crazy. I mean, I know there's a, there's a whole group of guys and girls and like Paul and Allie and Chris and all these guys who hang out and Dave 
because they all met through listening to the show. That's and they're all they're like really really good lifelong friends now. That's that stuff is is hard to ignore. But, but I, I, think, I, I think it's because super... the, I think it's the 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 sort of the network of of the three of you, you know, the friendship that you guys demonstrated is sort of a web that captures a lot of other people in it in a, in a positive way, which sounds I mean, very good metaphor. Whatever. Yeah, like you, you, you guys, there. It's not an accident that the community around iFanboy is what it is. Like you guys created an ecosystem and environment where like that community could develop and flourish, and like the internet's awful, and you guys yeah. created something out of it that's beautiful, and so I think that's worth celebrating. Josh, any thoughts? Uh, that was a lot. Uh, I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's everything you guys said. It's, you know, like I'm going through a whole life thing right now. You know, it's been the most helpful people who've listened to this show. People got me a job back in 2010 who listened to the show who I didn't know. I mean, yes. 2010? Nine, end of nine, just before end 10. nine? I worked at Nickelodeon for a while. Oh. Yeah. I wrote the, I wrote the captions on the oh, website. Oh, right, right before we... Yeah. Graphically, right, right. yeah, so the, that was the thing is that, and from that, uh, I was probably going to become, I'm not saying I have any regrets about that. I was probably going to become a director of content for Nick.com and I decided to do graphically instead. What a mistake. I mean, for, in, in terms of resumes and remuneration, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, but, but right now, like people who I don't know really who, who know me are, are reaching to help me. And like, how does that not make you feel good about yourself? I, I, well, you know, you and I talked last week, and I'll just I'll open the I'll open the door a little bit into the inner inner workings. But you know, you're going through a tough time. Everyone everyone listens to you knows that. And uh, we were just talking, and, we, we, and you you said the thing that we all think sometimes is that we may we may have made a mistake going out on our own and doing our fanboy full time instead of staying with our careers. But then we quickly realized that was not the case. No. As, as we talked it through, and that was just us talking. It was like, I sit here today in Los Angeles, and all of the people that I am close with, the friends that I see, the friends that I get together with for dinner or drinks or talk with Josh or Ryan, they're all because of my fanboy. I met my wife. She didn't listen to the show, but I met her at an iFanboy event. Uh, my last, also, Ryan. My last three jobs were through people who I met through iFanboy in some way or fashion. Like my career, my family, my friends, you take iFanboy away, I don't even know what my life looks like. I don't. <laughs> it, it would be impossible to imagine where I am in my life without what we've been doing here. And only really good has come out of it. We Sure, we went full-time for a while and it was a lot of ramen noodles and it was a lot of uh, not going on vacations or doing anything, but I, I fucking loved those years of doing it full time. That was the most I've had good jobs that I've I liked and enjoyed, but this is, that was the most fulfilled I've ever been professionally when we did iFanboy full time. And the life that came out of it um, is the life I live right now, and I don't I don't know what it would be. I, I, I honestly could not imagine where what I would be doing, what it'd be, how I'd be living without this, and uh, you know. Josh and I are both 45 years old. And if you had told us 
when we were 22 when we started iFanboy that we'd still be doing it at 45, I think we we both would have laughed at you. Or that anyone cared. And so, is there what is the end game? I don't have any idea. I couldn't even imagine getting to this point. So even pr- projecting out, who knows? You know, a, a, a very quick story that I've never actually told you before is that like. In 2009, you know, the new year came around and I, I told myself that the, I had just started my own podcast. And the thing I told myself was like, 2010, I want to be the year that I get something out of the internet. Like, I just want to like get something meaningful out of the internet. And it was literally, I think it was like January or February where Ron was like, hey, can we get dinner? And that was when he said... Hey, we're going to go do the website full time. Do you want to be a writer? And so, you know, I, I, I mean, I fanboy literally, it changed my life when I found the podcast in the mid aughts. I, I literally needed something to listen to while I was studying for exams or whatever. But like then fast forward, I'm having dinner with Ron and he's telling me we're going to do the website full time and please come on board and write for us. And you know, that, that, that job went through a lot of iterations and a lot of, um, uh, changes, but but one thing it it didn't go through was a lot of revenue, (laughs) but it, but it, but it changed my life. Like it, it really did in a way that like everyone got paid. Maybe not a lot, but everybody got some, he's going to get mad that we're interrupting you again. Sorry. No, 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 no! I'm all good. I mean, I mean, I, we I paid everyone. Saying. Everyone who wrote for us got paid. You did, and and but I just the the idea of like working for a website where the management gave a shit about what I was doing, where they like reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, like you, you guys know, it's it's fine." It was an amazing experience. Um, grateful for it all the time. No regrets. That being said, Josh, are we in, when are we ending this? Um, I mean, you mean right now? That's going to be soon. <laughs> we're done. We're done now. We're at the end. We're at the. I mean, we're at the close. Honestly, I have shit to do. Um, and I, I uh, well, we might have to reschedule depending on what happens. <laughs> I mean, can you guys, really, like, what's really can, funny? Can you, I mean, a, can you give me? I'm, a I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come cut your like, hair. I'm gonna come cut your hair. Please. Uh, I trust you. I think what's interesting about this, and people His may head, not don't people may not realize this is it's clear he knows how to shorn a scalp. I can shorn your scalp, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Josh and I knew each other in college, and we knew Ron in college. We weren't, we weren't super close in college. Uh, no, well, by the by, the last year, by, the, by the very very end. But like we weren't, you know. If you if you had asked me when on the day of graduation. Mm. Uh, who will you stay in touch with and be best friends with? I, I don't know that I would have picked you and Ron. Ah, uh, were you sitting? Um, I mean, I would have said Ron. We were was, all together at that you, in yeah, that group you were graduation. Really close. You were there. Uh, the breakup uh, in the. No, like, we were we were very close. But you know, like if you had just said, "Hey, of all these people that you're with, there's probably like 15 of us in that group at the mm-hmm. end of graduation." Yeah, who would you be close with? I would have probably said some other people who I'm not going to name on the show. But like, well, right him, but. But like, not not that I wouldn't have said you, but like I wouldn't have necessarily been like, oh, definitely Ron and Josh. It just was like it sure. became it, it grew out of college. The funny thing is that you saying I'm like I can't even remember. I'm like, well, it must have been like because that's just what it's always been to me in my head. But obviously, you're right. It was just we, we were we were definitely friends at the end for sure. We knew each other the entire time, but you know, 
it's just an interesting life that we've ended up living throughout through this dumb thing that we created Super with dumb. a terrible name. Terrible. Yeah. And uh, listen, do either of you taken, remember meeting me? We had just, I do, but we just taken a course, Ryan, about d- subcultures, <laughs> so re, re, uh, re- reclaiming slurs. And so we decided at 22, because that's the dumbest age, uh, we're going to reclaim the term <laughs> I fanboy. Or fanboy and fanboy.com was taken, so it became iFanboy. It could have very been easily been eFanboy because that was happening at the time. Um anyway. Anyway. Josh, uh, you were the you were the one I felt like I always had to impress upon the most. So like because Josh he, is aloof in person because he's he's uncomfortable. I, I I don't think you've spent a lot of time around me recently. <laughs> well, you you didn't you didn't like me because I mean, my eager. my entire my my entire thing that I do is relationship management. <laughs> no, I'm saying at, at party at the parties you used to have. I don't like parties the, exactly. Like so you were aloof because you were uncomfortable at the parties. Sure. Yes, absolutely. But like, but like Connor's claiming that he remembers meeting me, which yeah, I'm at a party. At, at, I remember at, making uh, no, that's not the first time we met. That's not the first time we met. Not at WonderCon. Well, it was at WonderCon, but it was not at the party. It was at the con. It wasn't at Isotope? No, it was at the... Um, We're talking about the, the first time he remembers you. Ryan, there were so many fans. So many yeah, I know. I know, so buddy. Many, you I know, know, pictures know. being taken, paparazzi. I, I don't... I know it wasn't the first time I met you, but the first thing I remember was making fun of your hiking boots. Yes, I remember that, too. That was in San Diego. That yes, was cons that. later. But I don't think um, I was at... Earlier you were on. just upset because I brought like girlfriends to San Diego, and I, it, maybe I don't remember. Why would why would he be upset about that? That doesn't make sense. I had like girls who would come to comic conventions with me. But was, why was he mad about that? that? You tell me. <laughs> he, <laughs> he just brought his like, wife to Comic Con. He yeah. didn't like that I had like some sick. This listen, everybody, everybody listening. They were you could really be making this up right now. I have awesome no idea. Pair. Of Gore-Tex hiking boots, waterproof, but permeable, excellent boots. Big. <laughs> I, remember, I remember they were huge. Yeah. Like they, as, if, as if when you go to San Diego, you're not walking for like 15 miles every day. <laughs> you, were, you were just dressed for a different event. I had just come out of geology field camp. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now we're, now we're smiling. Everyone needs to go to sleep. We ought, so, we ought to spiral. It's appropriate. Um, listen, there's no end game. We haven't thought about it. Uh, I, actually, just to address like one of the questions, um, collaborating on creating something, Josh and I have tried that several times, and it's never worked. That's true. We, we, in our 20s, we tried to write a movie script, which we got about a third of the way through, and I liked it. It's not bad. But it stopped. It would never get made now. <laughs> Not now, but back then it would have if we had yes, finished it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then there was the about ten years ago there was the book that you mm-hmm. and I started mm-hmm. to write about comics. Nineteen eighty six, the year that changed comics. That Great was title. the title. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for thanks for putting that out there in the world. Uh, I still I have rem- the file on I this. Remember desktop. because I care, Josh. I have the file on my desktop right here yeah. of all the notes of the interviews we recorded that we did some interviews for. And it's then the, what the deal the deal fell apart. Anyway, Josh and I have, have never really gotten uh, this, so we do our fanboy, which is fine. It's enough. And there's a very there's a very clear line in the sand for me. 
and it's 2010 when my kid was born, and a lot of that stuff <laughs> fell by the wayside. Well, though uh, the book was after that because I moved. To, I was in LA when we did it. I was 2000. Yes, I know. I know. I know. I remember. But that, your but... kid was still young enough where it was just like a a lump. Yeah. All right. Let's finish the show. I so, um, your kid. <laughs> thanks everyone who wrote in. We're sorry we we had to skip a lot of questions. I ain't sorry um, for shit. No, I am sorry because everyone takes the time to write in I'm and we not. ask for the questions and. I wish we had long enough time to do all of them, but we don't, and I apologize. We do. We could. We could. We could hang. I know. But we, we no. Thanks for writing into contact.ifanboy.com. Uh, we do appreciate that. Let's get to the part of the show no one listens to: the uh, plugs and announcements section, as it says in my script. Plugs and announcements. Uh, let's talk about other shows besides this pick of the week show. Previous to this, we had our media explode. The old minute old movies talking about the Poseidon Adventure from 1972. We had Josh and I's impromptu Moonfall versus Geostorm show. Really fun. That took the place of the Toxplode because uh, Toxplode takes a lot of energy and time, and Josh doesn't have it at the moment. So that's what happened. This month, that is October, holy fuck, how did that happen? We're going to have our book explode on Cosmic Odyssey by Jim Starlin and Mike Mignola. Josh just finished reading it. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Wait, you guys ever heard of that yet? Never recorded yet. Josh just finished reading it. I got to reread I'll it. Do, but we're I'll do it. it if you need someone else on the show. I, it's going to happen soon. Great book. And then later in the month, towards the very, very end of the month, we're going to have our media explode. House of the Dragon and the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, season one, recap, review and recap. So that'll happen at the end of the month uh, for our media explode. And then I don't even know when does Black Adam come out. I think it's, I don't know. But that. Those are what we've got in the books right now. We gotta figure the rest. Ryan, talk about science sort of. I do a show called Science Sort of. This is you your chance. Questions. Man. We'll answer them. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You're like, eh, well, what's a geode? All right, I'll tell you. You yeah. What about the capillary radio water? Huh? Have you that? done a show on Fool's Gold? Do a show on Fool's Gold. Yeah, pyrite. Come on, come on, hang out. We'll talk about pyrite. Are you are you super I tired? To have is that what's happening? Ryan, so are you really tired? tired? Is so it is it tired. the tired of having a baby? Is it the all of it? Is it what is it? Whatever, whatever you drink fermented itself into alcohol, I, and you didn't I, I don't have time for this. I created a show that's a little it's a little more complicated to produce than this particular show. Even like tonight, um. That's been a problem. It's made it a little difficult to get shows out regularly. I apologize for that, but like we are still working on it. The end. Check okay. Time Josh, do you want me to read your part, or you want to do your part? I'll do it. You get over to this. Yeah, no, I used to get drunk tired a lot. I remember that now. At the end of the of the holiday shows, like before I was ever drinking anything. Go to ifibo.com. You find all the shows. We I did love the holiday way shows. back then. You can listen to our vast history of, or you can read it, the vast history of comic book writing from all of our talented writers. You can go to facebook.com slash iFanboy or at iFanboy on Twitter. Uh, although if both of those were to disappear completely, I'd be fine with that. Uh, or at <laughs> iFanboy Comics on Instagram. What is wrong get, with you? I just want to get rid of reels. Uh, you can find out what the pick nice of the week is me. before the show comes out. You can listen to us individually. Nope. Follow us individually where you can see images. <laughs> This, uh, on Instagram, there's C.S. Kilpatrick, J.A. Flanagan, and Ryan Haupt. Uh, and also, he's Haupt on Twitter. 
That's a thing. He's still there. That's a German, talking about right? it. Is it you German? Should, it is you German. German. It means head or captain or main. When did your family you come should. to America, Ryan? Oh, my God. after 1945 or before 1945? The, the help side came to America in the did early it, 1900s. Did you do an episode of eugenics? <laughs> yeah, did you do an episode of eugenics and science service? Like, how'd that go? I haven't yet. The benefits of and you want to be just want to be you want to be real careful with that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real. I, I, I'm, as far as I know, my family left before World War One, so we like That's, we kind of can I can I tell you like, really really quick thing and of course right bef- Wait, the, before you're going to talk about eugenics, we almost no, made it before I before I left New York. I I dated this girl uh, who was a banker and. She was German, <laughs> and we were discussing, you know, our families, and come to find out that our grandfathers fought on opposite sides of the war. Can, you can keep going now. On my mother's um, side, we I think we got a guy who fought in the Civil War, but I think he was on he was on the Union side. He was on the North. Connor, you were going to say the Waffen. Connor, you didn't you didn't say anything nice about me. I wasn't asked to. The email was just to Josh. It was literally, no, it was literally I, said, I'm, Josh, say I'm, something nice about Ryan. I'm going to say something mean about everybody. Ra- Josh, you have this whole section to read right here. Well, I, you all start talking about eugenics. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Go to youtube.com slash iFanboy. All the old video shows are up there. Are the new are the other ones? Yeah, they went up, didn't they? Or at least one of them did. The missing No, the shows. first one is up. Walking Dead's out. Yeah. Okay, first one's up. There's one more to go. So that's kind of like a... And, and you episode. know what? Related to an earlier question, the one that's coming is The Vault, Heathen Town, Scenes from an Independent Marriage, and Babies in Black, the story of Astrid K- Kircher and Stuart Sutcliffe. So it's the Beatles one. Hmm. There you go. That's my Oh, it's my turn. Uh, hey, if you, like, if you like this show, this particular show, please write us a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever they're sold, you know... That's how it help. That's how people find shows now. The algorithm is in charge of all of this stuff. And how do you help the algorithm? You write a review or you leave a star rating. The more, the better. Listen, we did leave around comics in the dust. There's no reason to stop. It's 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 objective. Like it's like frowning. You can keep going and make the lead between around comics and us even bigger. I was tired, but you just pulled me back in because those guys. <laughs> it was just a trouncing. We challenged like, them, but let's challenge them further. But like Connor, what do you really think about me? Oh my god, I'm covering your face <laughs> up with this paper. Uh, even better than that, is to tell your friends, your mom, your word of mouth, your letter carrier, uh, your postal carrier, your UPS guy, your <laughs> FedEx guy, because we all know everyone's just sitting there with Amazon open and buying shit because it, it it sends the endorphins to the brain, and that's what we're all doing. And uh, so you know, you got people coming to your door constantly. Tell them about iFanboy. Give them a T-shirt. Buy a t-shirt, give it to him. Help us spread the iFan by love. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for being here. We know it's hard. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what give your mom a thumb drive means, Nick, but it made me laugh. <laughs> you, you, want, you just go ahead. Hey, say hello to your mother time. for me. Give it his thumb drive. Thanks, Ryan, for being here. Um, we appreciate it. This was fun. Another year in the books. A big uh, Next year will be episode 900. You guys are the best. I'll be there. I mean, maybe. And you know what? You're going to cut that hair? Maybe. <laughs> I love how he's just the uncle. He's just like, uh, <laughs> I mean, you think you're going to get a job like that? Yeah. I mean, 
What are you trying I to say to both. the world? But I love you. I love you both. Okay, I just want to point out that Alex just turned my lights down. It's Your lighting is excellent right now, John. My lighting just went down because of the things <laughs> like this is when you go to sleep. <laughs> like you see that it's darker in here now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing. The computer AI just told me, go to bed, Josh. You actually should use this lighting. It's good lighting because you're lit. It's, it's actually really good lighting. You're really you're lit perfectly. Not perfectly. But you're screen. lit really well. And then the back is dark. It's a nice. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, looks good. I'll and I switched to the off. wide angle lens. There we go. So, all right, we're doing this. You look you look like a ghoul though. No, it's mine. Lighting is not good. Night of the it's Ghoul. Close monitor. My monitor. I like really close. I liked that book by the way. Night of the Ghoul. It was good. It was. It was good. It was. It was surprisingly good. I just got optioned yeah. this week. All right, so that's it for this episode eight fifty. This week's show. I don't Until think you guys talk about love enough. Do you love? Okay, apparently, this is by the way, which has happened. My lights just came I on because that. normally what happens is, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, they all turned off. Well, what happens is they turn off, and I'm not ready for it, so I turn the lights back on, yeah. and it just did that, and then I don't know. I think I have a sweet steak. Oh my god, for me my downstairs. monitor just we, went, told me that it's time for it to shut off. Do you love too. each other? Are we talking about all the time? Brothers. Yes. Yes. Brothers. Brohees. We love I love Josh. I, I love Ryan. It. I love everyone. I love, I love all people it. in the chat Josh room. Josh didn't say it. Josh Paul, I love Ron Ron. I wasn't listening. All right. Do you love us, Josh? I said yes. Oh I, my god. Check the tape. You need to see know. a therapist because this neediness is worse <sighs> look than the hair. Yeah, or the boots. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm I'm Connor. Guy. I'm in therapy. <laughs> and that's Josh. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.